Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the Random Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Jose. And this episode is hands-on with E3 2013. E3 may have come to an end this past week, but our coverage certainly hasn't, and we have full impressions of a whole bunch of games that Nintendo showed off at the Best Buy uh, Nintendo experience. Thank you, Nintendo. Yes, thank you, Nintendo, for that. So, um, before we start, be, if you haven't already, be sure to listen to our special bonus episode, episode 45, which we posted a few days ago. That has initial thoughts on all the big news from Nintendo Direct and onward. Once you're all caught up, you can come back here, and uh, we're actually changing the format a bit for this episode. Normally, we do a bit of a news breakdown, then we share some games we're playing, but because of the E3 coverage, and because we got to try Mario 3D World, Mario Kart 8, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, and Wind Waker HD, it's only fitting that we start with those impressions. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about those impressions of those games, and then we're going to move on from there to cover uh, different game news and interviews that happened in the past few days, and then from there we'll go to talk about uh, third-party games. There's some interesting announcements that were made, and then we're going to wrap up with uh, both retail and eShop, excuse me, and then we're going to wrap up with... Um, a look at more like Nintendo's broad strategies and what this E3 means to them in the big picture and how they'll turn around the Wii U. So there's a lot to cover. It's a whole lot to cover. Um, it's probably going to be one of our longer episodes. If there's specific things you want to hear, I recommend the timestamps, uh, ramtown.com for this blog post. That's episode 46, hands-on with E3 2013. We have broken down everything we're going to talk about, every game, every news story, so you can jump right to the section you want to hear. So, like I said, I think the, uh, we're going to begin with those impressions. And first, uh, the event itself. It, uh, Nintendo did the, two of these Nintendo experiences at Best Buy. There's one on Wednesday, one on Saturday. And we went to the Wednesday one. We took some photos. We met some big-name Nintendo developers. We played some games. And we have the, the photos up on the site along with thoughts on the event itself. So if you want to know what we thought of the event and how haphazardly organized it was and whether it was worth going and what sort of the Luigi loot was and you haven't already done so, ramtown.com. The extra is called E3 2013 Best Buy Style. So go check that out. I'll be right to the right of this post, assuming you're looking where we first post it. So, uh, yeah, impressions. Uh, what do you want to start with? I guess mm. Mario World? Yeah, Super Mario 3D World. All right, so um, this one I played. We split the games 50-50. So I did Mario. He did Mario Kart. I did Donkey Kong. Did he did Zelda. So, uh, yeah, because how it worked is Nintendo only let you play once, and you got back in line, so we had to kind of double down and split things. But uh, So I guess I'll go first with Mario World. It really is... Kind of a mix, mishmash of uh, three, 3D Land for the 3DS and Mario Galaxy. And, I mean, the game looks like a direct sequel to Mario 3D Land. Like, when you even just when you're watching it, it looks like HD Mario 3D Land. Through and through. And boy, does it, uh, boy, does it look good it watching does, it in person. Yeah, it looks really good. All the games, actually, all the games at the event look really good in person. Well, I mean, truth be told, all the streams I've had at the time, I wasn't able to run them at, like, the best resolution. Mm-hmm. So, seeing it for the first time in, like, the best resolution you could possibly get. It looks good. It looked really good. So yeah. Smooth. It looks super good. And it's interesting because, um, the way that, with, with 3D Land, well, first, a couple, a couple impressions. So, 3D Land had, um, 8-bit, or 8-directional controls only. So, how it worked is, you didn't really notice it, because there were such small stages, but you can only go 8 directions, kind of like you're using a D-pad, even though you're using a circle stick. No, you're actually... I mean, a circle pad. I remember telling you that, um, I... Didn't feel it, or I didn't, or I felt like that wasn't that was a non-issue in yeah. the Super Mario. And I actually went back like a few, like yesterday. It feels kind of funky, and, I tried, right? and then I actually tried like to go in different. Areas. I'm like, wow, that actually is kind of. It's kind of like it's like he like swings to one eighth of a direction. Yeah, like yeah. And the thing is, but, that's, I mean, but yeah, it doesn't make really make a difference. It's because no. of the level design, but still, it's 
Yeah, but that's the same case. It's the same case in more in 3D World, and it is a bit of an adjustment period. I didn't have too much trouble with it, but uh, it was a multiplayer demo, so it was me and three other people. And the guy that I was playing is Peach, who, by the way, he insisted on playing as Peach. Like he asked me like ten minutes before we even got to demo. Can I be Peach? Can I be Peach? So that's kind of funny. But um, Pretty nothing wrong. With Peach. Peach is actually like yeah, I know, I know, and she's floating and it has a, all the Mario two power up or power, abilities of the characters are back. So Toad goes super fast. Peach floats. Luigi jumps really high. I was Luigi. You're Luigi, and Mario's Mario. But what I was going to say is, he actually had a hard time with getting Peach on platforms. Because, like, when Peach is flowing, she goes slower and she floats. So when you have the eight directions and everyone's going, like, diagonally and you're trying to go diagonal with them, it's very easy to go the wrong way. Like, he couldn't hit the first couple platforms. It took him, like, two minutes to adjust the controls. So it is something to be wary of. Like, it just doesn't feel quite as fluid as Mario Galaxy. With that said, though, it's still really fun. There are a couple different levels uh, that they had in the demo. They actually had five in total. They had... Four nor- three normal levels, a boss, and a kind of on-rails-ish thing. If you ever played a Mario Galaxy and you had the bird flying levels where you're like flying into the screen, riding the bird, and you're controlling the bird by swinging the Wiimote back and forth. Remember that? Oh, yeah. It's sort of like yeah, that. Yeah. It's okay. sort of like that, except uh, you're riding a dragon and you all cooperatively have to jump at the same moment and turn at the same moment to do the sharpest turns and the highest jumps. And it's actually really hard. So once we did, everyone has to be in sync. Yeah, once we did the demo, Nintendo stopped allowing that demo because uh, it took too long because we died. <laughs> but um no so cat suit so that that's more like galaxy that's where the galaxy influence comes in the boss battle is a lot like galaxy it's in like it kind of reminds me of the uh, fire octopus thing that threw the volleys yeah. like it's not like quite the same but it's in a round arena and it's a snake it's like this snake thing that comes in out of the dirt and you have to jump on it but you can like kind of go all the way around it the camera doesn't move with you oh, like yeah. in galaxy but it's the same sort of like you have a round environment and you're running amok uh the normal levels you know it's straight up mario the cat suit's cool you can um like, you do move faster, you can climb up walls, you do this little pounce move in the air, like a dive attack, which is just as simple as when you're in midair, you hit punch, or whatever the punch button is, and it just does it. So, that was, like, it's a fun game, it's definitely fun, it's, on the surface it doesn't feel quite as fancy as Galaxy, but as you dig in, you start to realize it is. Like, just, like, it just has kind of those qualities, like, the level design's are very creative, and there's a lot of, from what I could tell from the five levels, and they have, like, transparent, uh, they have this new thing with transparent warp pipes, so there's all sorts of, like, picking paths on that and doing different, like, loop-de-loops to get gold or green stars and whatnot. It's, it has a good amount of variety in just those five yeah, levels. I mean, by keeping the Super Mario 3D land world yeah. concept, I mean, they could still do whatever they want as far as, like, level, like, they could still have a cookie world if they exactly. want. Exactly. Yeah, it's still, like, super open-ended. I mean, and it's actually... Or go ahead. Oh, no, because, I mean, they definitely confirmed that, I mean, whether they'll have a world map kind of like they did in Super Mario mm-hmm. 3D land, where it's, it was pretty much just like Galaxy 2, where you're yeah. just on a straight road and... Yeah, revolving world behind you, but uh. yeah, but it's definitely fun. Like, I'm really looking forward to it. I don't know if it was my favorite game of the event. Like, just watching all four. I didn't play all four, but watching all four. I don't know if that's the one that I'd walk out going, "This is the one I have to buy." Like, if I could only buy one, but since I'm buying at least three of them, probably all four. Who am I kidding? Uh, yeah, it's. I'm excited. I'm super excited. But it's actually interesting because I mean, I noticed a lot of galaxy similarities. The people I was playing with noticed it too. The rep was talking about it, the Nintendo rep. And even the developers are admitting, yes, we, it's more than just Mario World, it's more than just Mario Land as a world. They're actually integrating a lot of stuff. They were, um, from Galaxy. They were speaking with Polygon, the two heads of the game, uh, project leader Kochi Hayashida, I think is how you say it, and, uh, producer Yoshi, Yoshiaki, uh, Kozumi. Fun fact about Kozumi, I actually met him at the Best Buy. That's one of the two people you see photos of. He, he, uh... Yeah, he uh, he's the guy, if you've ever seen the photos from Nintendo Software Showcase on Tuesday at E3, the guy with the cat ears and the cat paws, and he's going like, meow, like in the, the guy with the longer hair, that's him. And he still does the cat paw in any photo you take with him. 
definitely seems like a very friendly he, guy. Yeah, he was super nice, but he didn't really know English much, but why well, would he? <laughs> yeah, but it was, I made some crack about how these the developers are being tra- treated like rock stars, and they understood that, but I don't know how much they understood. Anyway, those two guys were speaking with Polygon, back on track here, and um, they're explaining that the way they're building uh, Mario 3D World is actually a lot like how they're building Galaxy, which, you know, like I said, and based on what I played, it reflects it pretty well. So, um, they, they, with, with Mario Galaxy and Mario 3D Land 2, I assume, they actually made post-it notes of ideas, and they had hundreds of these post-it notes everywhere, and they kind of dwindled, like, whittled down which ones they're gonna go with, like, which ideas they're really gonna use, and that's how they got, like, they just went, like, how crazy can we get? Just any idea, stick it on post-it, stick it on the wall, and we'll narrow it I down. I that wall. Yeah, me too. And they're doing the same thing for Mario World, Mario 3D World. It's not a, uh... It's not simply, like, let's just carve and copy 3D land and make it a little bigger and support multiplayer. They're really, like, trying to be as creative as they can. And um, that's go- that also goes, like, that development style also goes in terms of uh, everything else they're doing for the game. It has the same development size as the Galaxy games, like the team size versus the team size of uh, Mario 3D land. And they're willing to build, I think I said this earlier, but they're willing to build entire levels based on a single gameplay concept. Which, once again, the dragon one I played, where you're riding the dragon down the water, or, yeah, down the water, that really was, I was like, you know, I don't think you have that many levels like that. They didn't have many bird levels in Mario Galaxy. Wait, was that tilt? Oh, yeah, you said it was tilt, yeah. No, it, was t- it wasn't tilt, it was mm-hmm. button. But, I was, right, on button. Galaxy, it was, yeah, actually, that's a good point, I should explain how that one worked. That one was interesting, because, uh, you know, most of them, you can just look at it and see how it plays. But, you know, you're running around, you're jumping on things, you're, cl- you're climbing as a cat. But with the Dragon one, it was like a hybrid of normal Mario and the bird levels from Mario Galaxy. So you're going down the water, kind of on, on autopilot, but you can turn right or left, and you can jump. And if you, if you jump, you can find alternate paths to get uh, green stars. If you turn, there's some parts where you can either jump over gaps or try and turn around them. There's like really sharp turns. And it was all playing, by the way, the uh, slide music from Mario 64. You know, the dee yeah, no, dee 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 Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so all that was, as all that was happening, you know, there's very really sharp turns, and you'll have to coordinate perfectly and all hit left or right at the same time and kind of go like, okay, guys, now. So that was, um, you know, that was different from the rest of the game where there's definitely a more competitive edge. Uh, well, the new things they added for this one is there's now a high score at the end of each level. I'm proud to say second place, only 10 points away from the leader. I wish I was first place, but whatever. Toad's fast. The guy that was Toad once. Anyway, um, at least in one go. But uh, what was I going to say? Right, so there's now high scores, so there's a lot more competitive edge. You can like, pick up players now. Like, you can pick up other people and carry them around, like Mario 2 style, except they're not enemies, they're your co-players. So it's very, there's a huge new competitive edge, but then they throw in these random levels where you suddenly have to cooperate. You have no choice. If you don't cooperate, you will die and the level will end and you can't progress. So it's interesting how they're balancing the two. It's different from, say, New Super Mario Brothers or, or any other, or even like, you know, Four Swords, one of those other types of multiplayer games Nintendo does, where it's half cooperative, half competitive. Like this one, there are levels you have to be cooperative entirely. Like, you know, in Four Swords, you have to be cooperative to clear puzzles, but you can still mess around. You can't really mess around on that dragon level. So, um, yeah, they also, uh, there's some other things the developers were saying, specifically about the fact that it is multiplayer oriented, because as I, as my impressions kind of indicate, um, you know, it's all multiplayer. We only could play multiplayer. And Time Magazine actually asked them, so what's that mean in terms of single player? Like how, you know, is it really a multiplayer game? Like are you going to lose out if you're playing single player? And Hayashida actually said otherwise. He was saying that he thinks that um, there could actually be really interesting ideas only for single player because the gamepad is being used to find hidden blocks, to swivel the camera, to interact with the environment, and that they're really going to try and flush it out for single player, which... I mean, I could kind of see what he's saying. Like, 
in multiplayer, you, you no one. And all the time we were there, tell me if you saw us because I didn't. And all the time we were there, no one was finding hidden blocks. Yeah, no, no one was tilting the camera. The it was just chaos. Like... You're just running through. It's like go 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 as fast as you can. You're just dashing through the level. So they, um, you know, if they're really saying single players where you find the secrets, that's where you look around. That's where you kind of go at slower, more methodical pace. I could see what how they could build. You know, s- levels that can, are compatible with both play styles, but some that lean more towards the single player experience and some that lean more towards multiplayer. Yeah. And if that's well, the case, that's a good thing. I mean, more so than New Super Mario Brothers, the, well, I guess you or we mm-hmm. as a four-player. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This one looks so much more fun with four people. Like, I kinda, it does. I kind of want to try to play with it. Yeah, I, I would want to play. possible, like, at all times. I mean, New Super Mario Brothers, we and you, that one, I, I don't know. I think it's at its funnest with two people. Any more than that is kind of just chaotic and... Yeah. Yeah. No, I would... Uh, I like to speed run so it doesn't... Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. But this one... I would yeah, this one was fun. super fun with four players. Don't get me wrong. But I know, for example, I'm an only child. Like, there's so many times I'm just going to be playing alone. Yeah. Like, I don't have a sibling. and be like, hey, come over and play. So I'm glad that they're kind of addressing the fact that single player has to be up to snuff. And I mean, uh, the, the last thing of note... We couldn't really hear much of the music when we were there because it was a pretty noisy event. But like I said, we did hear the, the slide. The main theme was pretty good. Yeah, we heard the main theme. We heard the slide music, which is just a remake. But apparently, so I can't really talk too much about the music. But apparently, they're going to be possibly, maybe, bringing in an orchestra Mario Galaxy style, which would be super cool with me, considering that Mario Galaxy has a really good score. So specifically, uh, Koji Kondo, Nintendo's like head music master, and a and a uh, Mahito Yokoda. I think I'm saying that right. He co-composed Mario Galaxy. The two of them are back from Mario 3D World, and they may, in fact, have an orchestra with them. They were uh, The developers were talking with Destructoid, Destructoid-ass orchestra, and they just winked and said, wait for more information. So, to me, that's a yes. But I assume we'll find out in the fall. Yeah, I've got a new soundtrack to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine you'd be super yeah, excited, because you, you love the Mario Galaxy score, right? No, the second game had wait. Well, I mean, I wouldn't want to say had way better music, but it was definitely my favorite of the two. Right. Yeah, I like. I really like the music of Galaxy Two. But um, also, hmm? wait, two also or two two? Two as in number, and two as in also, both. <laughs> I prefer Galaxy Two over Galaxy One. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I just didn't say it well. Except for but, Gusty Garden, but that made a returning Gusty in Galaxy Two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I just love that song to death. Yeah, I know. Isn't that your all-time favorite alien song? Yep. As of now. Yeah. That could change. But yeah, so that, I mean, that's kind of in a nutshell, Mario 3D Land, or 3D World Impressions. I, I mean, we could, if you have any questions about this game or the other three we're going to discuss, feel free to leave a comment on episode 46 blog post on the site, and we're, we'd be happy to answer that either in a future episode or write in the comments. So if there's a particular part of any of these games you want to know about, that's a good way of doing it. Um, Mario 3D World will be out in December. And once again, the cat suit's actually really cool. Can't be soon enough. No. But, uh, so yeah, so that's my first game I played. You started, Jose, with Mario Kart 8. So, do yeah, you wanna... Yeah, that's the game I'm looking most forward to. Do you wanna hit the road with that one? Ha! Why not? Pun! So, I don't know, even though it's a new game, there actually isn't that much to say, unsurprisingly. Kinda how we suspected that, like, yes, there's a new gravity mechanic that mm-hmm. tilts the world around, but that actually didn't change much, if anything. It's interesting. All it does is change... The way the game looks. That's it. Like, gameplay-wise, it's almost identical. Like, I was able to pick it up and play it and use the exact same... And got first place. Yeah, like, I I destroyed with Luigi. Not not to brag or anything. I mean, What's no, with no. us and Luigi? You're Luigi, man. No, no, <laughs> I was Luigi. You're Luigi. No, I just couldn't even pick the, the character. Oh. Uh, uh, 
No, yeah, but I mean, everything is identical to Mario Kart 7. More so Mario Kart 7 than Mario Kart Wii. The mm-hmm. controls have that same kind of loose tightness on turns, I want to say. But, I mean, that's, Apparently just, that's, that's just the back. cart. That's just the cart. Apparently, Snaking's back. I've seen some videos online. I didn't see it at the event. Oh, no one tried it at the event, but online... It. <laughs> seen, oh, did it work? Was it like 7 or was it like DS? It was like 7. You, oh, okay, you, good. You, you, you I don't like real you snaking. You can't press back and forth, back and forth. I mean... Right. I, I learned snaking just because I had to, but it was, it's a tiring experience. That's not. Really I don't like snaking fun. because I can't do it. I mean, in theory, like <laughs> I mean, I was able to haphazardly snake, like I was able to drift in a straight line and just right. keep boosting right. the whole time. But I mean, it it's not, it wasn't really that effective. Yeah. But anyway, like I mean, the courses like they do go up and down, but yeah, it didn't really change much of anything. I was watching a lot of other people play, and I noticed. It was interesting because it's like F-Zero where you're upside down, but you're not upside down. The yeah, camera just yeah, spins cause, around cause with the cam- you. That's the thing. Like, the camera, but, the camera most, for the majority of the time, keeps it, I don't know. But there are definitely moments. Yeah, but there are definitely moments where the 3D kind of, or like the, not the 3D, the anti-grav kind of messes with you. I saw a guy well, crash in a boo house, and he was driving sideways down the boo house. Or he he launched off a sideways wall and was hang gliding sideways. And then he hit an object, and the camera did a sharp 90-degree well, turn, like, and he tumbled well, sideways. Because on that jump, like, you're... On, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. They're going up like the ramp sideways, and then it auto-corrects itself back to straight. Right, no, but that's what I'm saying in terms of, like, it will, like, if, no, you're no, not, I, if you it, crash, it, it hits you more than if you don't. No, yeah, like, I mean, it can disorient you, but, yeah, yeah I mean, it, it affects you as much as um, on Mario Kart Wii, there are um, a bunch of half-pipes. Right. Pretty much going up the half-pipe, that's as much of a difference you'll feel. Like, right, if you're drifting right. up the half-pipe. Right. But other than that, um, it doesn't change anything. Yeah. Which is, I mean, not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I love the other two games, and I wanted to just like get in and have fun. And and it's, I mean, it and, and it looks. I mean, the graphics are just, especially in person, they're just so good. Yeah, like the, the shading is so much better. Everything looks a lot rounder and smoother. I don't know how Nintendo did it, but they somehow it looks managed like a true next gen game. Yeah, literally, it looks next gen, and they managed to somehow like you have to see it in person. It looks amazing, and they somehow. I mean, you did. I'm talking to the listener, but they somehow. Um, Mixed, like, realism with cartoon. Like, the road, the asphalt on the road is so textured and so realistic looking. But yet everything else has that, like, cartoony Mario vibe. Yeah, it like, can, it's it really can, a it, really well done mix. It's definitely the, um, I would say the peak, a, a peak where you would say, like, this is as good as a Mario game should get. Yeah. Because it looks so good, but you don't want it to get any more realistic because it might yeah. get to that uncanny valley. Yeah, yeah. And I was lucky enough to play on the gamepad because you were playing against someone on the Wiimote. I mean, that's also why I destroyed them because obviously playing on the Wiimote is a lot harder than playing yeah. on an actual controller. Yeah, they had to do motion. And I made sure to claim that Wiimote because the winner got a golden... You mean gamepad. Game... Wiimote. I made sure to claim that gamepad with the awesome honk. Yeah. With the honk. Yeah, the, you could honk. But, yeah, well, uh, there's a little more gamepad than that. My if I just jump in and say that super quick. Or actually, finish your thought and I'll explain. Alright, because the winner is. of the race um, got a golden Luigi coin. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I have to make sure I have the best control I can get. And right. I just claimed it before they even had a chance to ask. Yeah. yeah. Once they get that coin, we have a photo of that on the extra about the best shiny. Event. It's very shiny. Year of Luigi. Uh, but no, I was going to say the gamepad actually has a couple interesting sort of uses. So it can, from what I was watching, and let me know if I'm a guy this wrong, but it can either, you're either steering with it using the sticks or you're physically steering it like a Wii wheel. Yeah, you have right? a button there that can change it on the fly. So right. You, that's, right. That's kind of cool. I mean, and... I guess the nice thing is that you have more real estate to grab onto. Yeah. So it's not like the Wiimote where if you don't have the Wii wheel, it, it just kind felt of feels weird. weird. It and... felt like you're on a motorcycle. Yeah. Which would make sense in this game because motorcycles are back. But yeah, which pretty much means yeah, like I I was stuck using a car. I just had to pick what they gave me. Right. But otherwise, I would have picked the motorcycle. I would I would have wanted to test if um you could do the wheelies and things because I was 
I saw someone that was playing with a motorcycle, and they were trying to do a wheelie with the wheel. Well, the tricks remote, are back, so I imagine motorcycles. they couldn't. Are there. They weren't able to do a wheelie, so yeah, I don't know if they'll return because that's kind of what made motorcycles overpowered on the Wii. Like the fact that they can on, boost whenever yeah, they because on straightaways you would just do a wheelie and you go faster than any car. Yeah, and I, they might I mean, have actually. If taken you're not drifting, out. you're make, doing a wheelie. So they might have taken it out because I know Nintendo confirmed the return of midair tricks. They specified midair. They didn't say anything about it on the ground. So I presumably mean wheelies are out. Mid-air? Mid-air tricks. So like when like you go off, off a jump ramp? and you shake oh. and you spin in the air, those oh. are back. Those are confirmed. No, 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 I know. I, know. I was doing those. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, no, but I'm saying like they, Nintendo very carefully said we, have, we are bringing back mid-air tricks. They did not say anything about on the ground wheelies or tricks like that. So uh, well, I mean, I think uh, that means they're probably not back. I mean, I Why would they still... specify not just say a trick well, system? Well, because I mean, if you say motorcycles are back, I just implied, I thought that implied everything that comes with them. Yeah. I mean, that well, was I mean, the... That was the only thing that really separated them. And it's not like it was a... Like, I mean, if you're doing a wheelie, if you got touched by anything, it would slow you down significantly. True. But at the end of the day, I mean, if you're... I, mean, really, just, I didn't but, see but, anyone do them. You didn't see anyone do them. I know, yeah, but I mean, they they might have also changed how you do it. True. So I don't know. True. I was going to say, the gamepad beyond just steering, Um, you mentioned the horn on it. It's actually kind of neat from what I was watching other people play. Uh, So the horn icon... You can it, it matches your character. It's their little emblem, and it kind of spins when you turn, like it like rotates oh, yeah, with yeah. the cart. So it's always like centered, sort of. Yeah, or not always centered, but it's centered. I, with... I didn't look at the horn until like after every race when yeah. I started honking it. Yeah, and you can honk it by pressing it, which is totally pointless. And they also moved. I don't know why they did this. They moved the course map to the gamepad, which makes perfect sense for single player. That's how it is in Mario Kart Seven. That's how it is in Mario Kart DS. It makes logical sense. But there were so many times that I was watching people play, and they'd be like, where's the map? Like, the person with the Wiimote doesn't have a map at the moment. I don't know if that's an oversight for the demo or if Nintendo... It must be. It has to be an oversight, right? There's no course map on the TV. Oh, it's right here. Yeah, like, there's no course map on a TV. It's unfair to the one guy with the gamepad. Yeah. But but But, either way, it... uh, I mean, still, there's a few more questions, but, I mean, with the time that we had, I mean, it did answer a lot of them, so... If you're good at Marker 7, you're going to be good at this game. Yeah, and you got... Oh, the only other thing that I guess... It's definitely just a demo thing, but... It had a pretty balanced item roster. It felt pretty fair. I mean, you were able... You had your shells, your bananas, your red shells, but... Yeah. You're you're still able to hold them, like, behind your back, and then Mm -hmm. shoot them back, and then hold another item, but... So far, no blue shells. And honestly, like, if they took out... Just the blue show, it would balance the game out so much, but they're probably not going to do no, that. No, it's there. I, mean, I did notice they had the blooper staple, back. Blooper but... was back. They they still do the ink screen thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What was I going to say? I mean, uh, yeah, it, it looks. I just can't get over how good it looks. It looks yeah. really good in motion. Like, and it run, it was running, I believe, at a full. I think it was full 1080p. I might be wrong. Although my I know was... it wasn't. I know it wasn't uh, 60 frames per second. It was at 30. They're going to try and get it up to 60 for, for, mul- for multiplayer by yeah. release. But it was definitely 30. But it still looks so good. Uh, my opponent was using Bowser, and I really wanted to use Bowser, but that would mean using <laughs> Wiimote. But, yeah. man, like, I don't know, he just looks so good. Like, the shadows on every single spike on the show. Yeah, it looked, it looked amazing. The lighting was incredible. It's just, it looks like a really... And they had three different levels that were all very different in, like, atmosphere and design. They had, uh, or three different courses. They had, correct me if I'm wrong, they had the figure eight. Yeah. To, like, the figure eight that they kind of were using as the inspiration for a logo. I forgot what the name of it is. It's a special figure eight that like loops under itself. Yeah. But they had that. They had uh, the Boo House, which was a lot of like dark lighting and interesting and shadow then, like, work. A San Francisco looking yeah, and they place. had a very. It kind of looked like the level at the the first level of Sonic Adventure Two. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, that San like Francisco. The and everything. Yeah. But that that one was cool, and that had a lot of hills from what I saw, and a yeah. lot of like a lot of down, very quick downward. Yeah, so, San Francisco ish. Yeah, very San Francisco. Yeah. 
But no, the game looks good. That is out in spring 2014. I'm pretty sure we're going to have another chance to play that at Comic-Con next month. For those who are going to end it at Comic-Con, I'd be shocked if Nintendo didn't bring it there. But uh, the next game I played was Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, which still sounds like a variety of Mountain Dew to me. And uh, well, we had, I had access to one level called Mangrove Cave. And, you know, it's Donkey Kong Country. Like, it, first of all, it also looks great in HD. The DK fur effect looks really cool. Like, the, the visuals just kind of pop. They have good lighting. They have good, like, anim- Retro is always Retro Studios has always done really good animation. And obviously knows how to work graphics really well. Look at Metroid Prime. Look at Metroid Prime 3 on the Wii. That looked amazing. But, uh, so yeah, this one really just looks like kind of the natural progression of what a Donkey Kong Country game should look like. Like, it really... It's really the fur effects that stand out. The rest is good, but not, like, you know, nothing that, like... Yeah, because, I mean... See, like, grabs Because they went for a really, really cartoony look, so yeah. there's only so much you can do. Yeah, it has, like, a lot of detail, and it has a lot of, uh, like, kind of neat lighting effects, but it's super cartoony, so it doesn't... It's harder to yeah, judge. It's, it's more the, the frame rate and the movements of the characters are what really yeah. talk about more than the actual... And Donkey Kong's first yeah. swaying as he moves. That was a nice touch. Yeah. Like, it wasn't a big sway, but you could, like, see it kind of move yeah <laughs> but as for the gameplay i mean through and through it's donkey kong country like it uh they have the new dynamic camera system or rotating camera i don't know which, which remember i don't remember which they call it so basically there are barrels and things where you launch to a barrel and instead of just going further right on the screen suddenly the camera will, like swing around the barrel and you're going into the screen and then you'll be going left back the other way and the camera will kind of swing around again and suddenly you're it's behind you or whatever like it did a lot of different dynamic sweeping motions yeah, it changes a lot for not really yeah, it's essentially, yeah, it's essentially for the barrel sequences. I didn't see any... I don't remember there being any major camera swoops or dynamic camera uses during platforming. Which makes sense, because you, you could get disoriented if they're too dramatic. But, uh, yeah, it was mainly the barrels. But it was cool, because there was one where you would barrel your way up a tree. So, like, you'd start at the base of the tree, and you'd shoot between the branches, and the camera kind of go under the branches, and you'd be looking up at the barrel, and then it'd shoot to the next, and... Yeah, but, you know, it's a Donkey Kong Country game. He handles how, as he always does, he's a little heavier than Mario... Diddy was along for the ride, obviously. The demo was two-player. Interestingly, it was only Remote Nunchuck. They would not let you use the gamepad. I believe on the show floor at E3, they did allow the gamepad. So I'm kind of wondering why they didn't. And also, I know the show floor demo had, like, five levels. I don't know what, like, why that didn't make the jump. Yeah, also, there was no Dixie, so... Yeah, there was no Dixie, which was interesting considering she's one of the new, like, one of the big new features. Yeah. But, I mean, overall, there's not a whole lot to say about Donkey Kong. It was there, it was good, it, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think the bigger thing to talk about is why is it Donkey Kong and not something else? <laughs> like, why did Retro not... I mean, is there anything you want to about Donkey Kong before we start talking more about Retro's strategy of making it? No, I think everything that you said was pretty much put on. I mean, yeah. it's like, just like Mario Kart and what we're pretty much saying is Zelda, like, there isn't that much more to say, because... We only got to play for, like, seven minutes yeah. per level, so... And, I mean, and even though, like, I mean, Mario Kart and Donkey Kong aren't remakes, they're still... Sequels they, to they, they're, they're very, very, very safe in the yeah. sense that, like, they don't... Nintendo's entire lineup is very safe yeah, this so, year. I mean, Mario World is the only one that had more new elements than Yeah, and even else, then, so. you could argue it was just what happened if you cross Galaxy... I mean, literally, to me, it felt like Galaxy mixed with 3D Land. Yeah, so. I mean, Donkey Kong... Not look- that any of this is a bad thing, I want to be clear. I enjoyed everything we played. It just was familiar. Yeah. I mean, Donkey Kong just, I mean, just looked like the same game, but with different obstacles. Yeah. I, I will, mean, I will on, say... On a very, like... Dumb, dumb, very, yeah. very broad strokes. Brushing yeah. very broad strokes. I will say, though, that there were some interesting uses of lighting. Um, there were some parts that are very vi- vibrantly lit. You're, like, outdoors, and then there are parts where you're, like, under covered caves or whatever. And you could... It was a very noticeable difference. I mean, obviously, every game you could tell the difference. But this one, like... I don't know. They had like light coming in from the side of the cave, which looked kind of cool. So you know they're doing they're doing some neat things with it. Oh, but it's nothing mind blowing. Point. I don't know. I, the, the way Donkey Kong slam, I thought looked kind of cool. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah his ground really... pound. Yeah. 
Yeah. He has really good animation. Oh, yeah. I, I yeah, just yeah. love how furry. He, he actually looks furry. It's, it's like Fox in Star Fox Adventures. I think that you said that on uh, yeah, it's funny our last episode. But, yeah. yeah. But now it's like, yeah. Yeah. Isn't it amazing what they could pull out of the GameCube back then? Yeah. But yeah, um, speaking of pointing out GameCube, that's something Retro did a ton. They really pushed graphical boundaries. And it, many people were wondering, here's what I was getting to before, why is Retro doing Donkey Kong versus, say, a Metroid or an entire new IP? We talked about this in our uh, last episode, episode 45, and we were kind of wondering the same thing. And enough people were wondering that Kotaku actually brought the question to Nintendo America President Reggie fils And, uh, you know, they tried to get some sort of why Donkey Kong. And he, of course, put some spin on it. It was definitely a surprise that it was Donkey Kong. Yeah, I think of... everyone thought it would be like a big mature new intellectual property of some sort. Yeah, I mean, Autographs and Premiers was like, oh, really? Well, alright, I mean... Yeah, literally, cool. I, I think I literally tweeted something like, so this is what they're doing? I mean, it's good for what it is, but, <laughs> like, cool, but... But yeah, Reggie put some spin on it, and he was basically saying that, uh, you know, actually, I think I agree with this now. He said, and I'm just gonna read the quote, my bet is that, uh, my bet is that the fan who actually plays the game is super excited because absolutely the team is excited. They've done a lot with Donkey Kong Country. All the things they wish they had done in Donkey Kong Country Returns, they put into Tropical Freeze. And all, he, I mean, he's right. I played it and I'm way more excited about the game now than I was when I first heard it. Like, actually having the time to go hands on and, you know, be like, oh wow, this is like, it feels like a really solid, you know, it's really solid Donkey Kong. It feels just like how it should, but it looks better. And it's just like, everything just feels right. Like, it is an exciting game, and I am looking forward to it. Um, but I don't know if... Any other game that gives me an opportunity to play with, like, my brother or something. Right, any sort of co-op game. Yeah. Which is, I feel like I've been playing recently. Pure co-op games. Well, good thing all of Nintendo's games are multiplayer. Yeah, even Literally, Animal, every, except you, Zelda, every game at the event was multiplayer. Even Animal Crossing, someone has tweeted that was, like, maybe almost two, over two hours of just... Oh, and you you and your brother. Yeah, were, and, yeah. and another friend. We're just, sometimes we were just spinning around in circles for no reason. And it was just funny. Just yeah. Animal Crossing. Yeah, I still... You know, Only all this Crossing. crazy... All this crazy E3 stuff this past week, I have not checked on my Animal Crossing town since last... Since the day it came out. Ooh. Since June 11th. I'm afraid... Some mayor you I'm are. afraid I'm gonna go to town and people are gonna be, like, attacking me with, like, pitchforks and, and like, uh, you know... Like they're gonna put a stick on you and, and like stab your head. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna hate me forever. My town's gonna be covered in weeds. I miss bugs and I miss the bug off oh, that was today. Man, that was awesome. But anyway, I'm gonna catch up. I was doing a lot of stuff with the site, so you didn't meet Nat the chameleon. I'll meet him next year, trippy or something. It's every month. Oh, I'll meet him next month. <laughs> You're fine. Yeah, but anyway, um, I was gonna say back to so Reggie's comments about Donkey Kong. He's like, oh, the fans will like it once they play it. Totally true. But at the same time, I know a lot of people are like, oh, that's such PR fluff. That's such like. You know, dodging the question. And I kind of agree. So luckily, you know, it's clear Nintendo knows that people are feeling this way. So hopefully that means Red Retro's next game might be something more interesting. But uh, luckily IGN did dig a little deeper. And IGN specifically asked Retro themselves, what's up with the decision? Why Donkey Kong? So uh, the president of Retro, a guy named Michael Kelbaugh, I think. Apologies if I mispronounced. Uh, he was saying that the team at Retro was uh, really kind of like what Reggie was saying. They really didn't think they were done with Donkey Kong. They had all these ideas. Underwater Swimming presumably being one of them. And Dixie Galaxy being two, one of them. Basically. Yeah, it's their Galaxy 2 answer. Exactly. It's how the Galaxy, the Mario Galaxy team said, we have more ideas. We want to make a sequel. Yeah, I remember they said so that they did. before Galaxy 2 came out. They said, like, oh, this is like, we still... Yeah, we still have so many ideas. And now Retro is saying, yeah, we had all these ideas. We had all these things we wanted to try. So they, in coordination with Nintendo, decided this is the game they're going to make. Um... With that said, some I have seen some stuff on the web of like, oh, maybe they have a Metroid game secretly in development. Like, maybe they have two teams. And this is the one coming out next, this year, and the next year will be Metroid Prime 4. Like, wouldn't that be cool? Well, 
Uh, unfortunately, Retro's president also tossed those rumors aside by pointing out that they only have one team. It takes them two or three years to make a game, and they do have enough bandwidth in their company to like you know help with uh, Mario Kart 7's courses or the Donkey Kong 3D port or whatever. But realistically, there's no Metroid right now in the pipe. That's not to say it's not coming, at least from Retro. In the same interview with IGN, uh, the producer of, Retro- of uh, Donkey Kong and uh, Metroid Prime, a, a man named Kinsuke Tanabe, I think I said it right? Yep. He, I know his last name's Tanabe for sure. He was saying, uh, he was getting some cryptic comments about what could be next for Metroid, maybe not with Retro, but just generally speaking. He said to IGN that uh, he's thinking of not just Samus, but how we can expand the whole Samus universe. You remember Metroid Prime Hunters. I'm thinking about things like how we can make them that go out further with all these different bounty hunters as well. Ooh. If he does that, I'm so a down. Game, game I'm Camden? so down. Oh man, I miss Camden. I... I would you don't be, remember who Kevin is? He's that yellow electric guy the, the, that your yeah, arm. Yeah, the slug dude. But, no, I am... Trace, s- I don't miss you, Trace. You could stay... Trace was forgot. dumb. Trace was a hunter that had an arm that looked like a stylus, and his name was Trace. And he was on a touchscreen-based game. How dumb can you get? Oh, I, well, I mean, I liked... the. Uh, I, just, I just hated him because his he was... His theming was dumb. He was fine. But oh, being no. themed after styluses and touching. Wait. His name's Trace and he had a stylus for an arm, essentially. The stylus was a gun, but it looked like a stylus. Wow, I did not even notice Yeah, and his name's all. Trace. Well, and he's on a DS game. I, I just assumed, like, okay, he turns into a spider thing, so he's just more arachnid formic. But what about his, tra- his, because, his weird spider because, with his he, weird stylus Because, because his signature move, I mean, his signature weapon is a sniper, so he traces you. Could be a double meaning. Well, maybe. that's how I took it. Yeah. Me. Well, anyway, uh, so... Yeah, so I hope, whatever he's teasing, I hope Tanabe has actually more in the works than just a tease. Maybe NST, the guys, Nintendo Software Technologies up in Redmond, maybe they're developing Monster, uh, Monster Hunter, Mo- Me- Metroid Prime Hunters Monster too. Monster Hunter, what? <laughs> I misspoke. Metro- yeah, no, maybe they're doing Metroid Prime Hunters 2 or something. That'd be kind of neat. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, for 3DS, that'd be pretty Yeah, that'd be super cool. And then, like, eventually... No, the online is like, a lot better integrated. Yeah, exactly. And it'd just be a matter of really weighing and seeing what Retro does. But don't get me wrong. Hunter, customize them. Yeah, that'd be super cool. And, like, have your friends list right there and have voice chat and everything. Go on missions. That'd be so fun. Co-op. But anyway, um, Donkey Kong Country, don't get me wrong, Tropical Freeze is a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I'm excited for its November yeah, release. Yeah, chill out. Yeah, I'm excited for its November release, but I could see why people are a little disappointed. I was a little disappointed, but now that I've played it. It's got to be good. It could have been something even greater, but what it is is going to be really good on its own. It's, you know, continue Retro's streak of great games. Yeah, I mean, better safe than sorry. I mean, we know we were going to like this game regardless. Yeah. I mean, I don't and, know. And, and the demo just confirmed it's exactly yeah. what you think it will be. Like, there's really no surprises yet. I mean, they do have a fourth Kong they haven't announced. Yeah. But. Another game we played that pretty much cons- confirmed that it's exactly what we thought it was going to be. Which, was, in this case, it kind of has to be. <laughs> yeah, it was um, Wind Waker HD. Yep, Legends of uh, Wind Waker HD remake. And, I mean, just like Mario, I mean, just like Mario Kart 8 played exactly how we thought it would play, but looks like amazing. Gorgeous. Yeah, it, it has this new depth to it. Like, like when Nika's running through the grass, like, wow. Yeah, that's all I gotta say, like, wow. Yeah, if you go back wow. and look at, like, the GameCube Wind Waker, it's, um... You know, everything looks like that. That cell shading style looks cool, but it looks like a flat cartoon. Like, the polygons are very simple. There's shadows, but everything has kind of a flat feel. This one, they literally rounded everything out. Like, Link's face has curves. Like, everything's rounded. So it feels more like... I think uh, E.G. Anuma... Cell at its finest Yeah, E.G. Anuma, the series producer for Zelda, he actually compared it to, like... The old one was like a cartoon, the new one's like a puppet show. In terms of the look. And I totally agree. Like, seeing it in motion, it just... It looks like there's, like, some depth there, which there wasn't previously. Yeah, the other one, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like cartoon versus... Yeah. 
But yeah, um, but yeah, in terms of the demo, I mean, it played pretty much like how you'd expect, right? I mean, I didn't play it, but... Yeah, I mean, running it? around, swinging sword, locking onto people. I mean, yeah. what is it? Well, I mean, yeah, the I mean, demo... I mean, the demo, like, it was either a romp through Outside Island or you fight the Hamurok King, the bird. Right, the it's the, bird yeah, it's the stealth yeah. sequence, or the tail end of the no, stealth sequence. Like, it's the tail end. You go up the tower. Yeah, that's it. But there's still light. You still have to dodge the spotlight a little at the beginning. Well, I mean, you just go up the tower because it's flooding up and you just, like, roll. Well, no, they had a part where you're dodging spotlights a little, didn't they? I could have no, sworn I saw something. No, you just that. you just enter a room and, oh. and the cutscene appears and then the water starts flooding in and then you just have to run up the tower. Oh, I could've sworn. Some bad guys appear, you have to roll past them and right. you fight the boss. But yeah, the well, boss Yeah, go ahead. I mean, as as good as the game looked, man, I I remember that boss having more to do with him like there was more, more I thought more there was more to do with fighting the boss than Oh no no no. Well it's an introductory level, so Yeah, but it's like it's like later the first... in the game. Like way later in the game. Because you go to the fortress in the beginning, and then the you kind of fail, and the bird like throws you out to sea, and then you find the red, the red, the yeah, that's the not king that of red lions, and then you go back there way later. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But kind of called it the Forsaken Fortress. I feel dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, well, yeah, because I mean, you just run away from him. He pecks at you, mm-hmm. and then you hit him with the with the with the hammer. Yeah, flies away, comes back, walks at you, pecks at you, hit him with the hammer. Right, right. But um, I was gonna say there. But, I noticed an outside island. Um, I don't remember which one you played, but I know in Outset Island, they had a lot of the Tingle Bottles around. Yeah, they were... I don't. I didn't see yeah. anyone pick them, anyone open them. I saw people pick them up and not do anything with them. Yeah. But yeah, the, the Tingle Bottles, which is the Miiverse messages that are sent through bottles, so you get random messages from random people, they were in the demo, and there were a lot of them. I saw like six on Outset Island in one shot. They were like, all over the shores. Yeah, so I don't know how many there's going to be in the final game, but it's interesting that they really, they're probably overemphasizing it for demo purposes. But, it, it, you know, they just kind of yeah, blend in. Yeah, because it shouldn't be overkill either. Like, I don't want to read through so many messages. That, exactly, yeah. And I bet, like, 50% of them might not even be helpful. Yeah, and actually, the funny thing about Tingle Balls is, I know you were complaining about this last episode, but, um... You were saying, well, you well, were I mean, complaining. I mean, I, I mean, I like the feature. You I were just... disappointed that it took the place of yeah. the Tingle Tuner. And actually, we actually found out why that is. Anuma was uh, speaking about with... Who was he speaking about with? Kotaku, I believe. Yes, he was talking with Kotaku about all things uh, Wind Waker HD. And he was saying, specifically about the Tingle Tuner and the bottles, is that due to limited development resources, presumably, uh, the developers chose not to focus on Tingle Tuner and replace it with the bottles, opposed to supplementing. Because ideally, you'd have both. And you'd use the gamepad as the tuner, or you'd have a friend jumping with a 3DS connected or something. Yeah, even then. Yeah, but no, uh, they wanted to focus on the bottle... Because that's what they were able to do. And it, was, it made more sense because Miiverse was such a core function yeah. of the Wii U. I mean, it's a shame though, just because, I mean, even though I am going to get this game, since it is a port, I mm-hmm. would want them to throw in as many features as possible yeah. instead of replace. Yeah. I mean, I know you mean. they're not necessarily taking away because they're adding something in lieu of it, but yeah. they're not. But the thing is, I think we're looking at it the wrong way because Anuma made a point to Kotaku that it's, or Kotaku made the point in the Arc of Anuma, I should say, that uh, it can work just the same in terms of hints. Like, it can be a hint system. The only difference in your case, you did a co-op with your brother, so you can't really do that as much. But if you're playing solo, you now have that hint system being delivered to you by bottle, instead of by a little fairy on some balloons going, Korimpa, or whatever he says. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it's different, but it's kind of the same goal, ultimately. I mean, it could be wrong, but I don't remember the game being that hard or ever really getting stuck. No, it's more hints, like, of where items are located. Like, hidden items on little islands. Remember, he would drop a bomb where the thing was? No, he would just... Well, he would just drop a bomb wherever he wanted. I mean, he had his own cursor and just. I thought my he. Bombs. Dro- oh, but I thought the whole, I thought the point of dropping the bomb was they could the 
co-player could guide you to where there's a hidden item because he sees it on his Game Boy Advance map. Well, yeah, but I mean, he has... I mean, that's the core I mean, I mean he has a map and he just interacts with you. I mean, he has, like, a cursor he could just right. run around... Right, but his, map, his map shows things you can't see. at you. Yeah, I, was, I think the originally the goal of the bomb was to guide you places. Like, he could say, follow the bombs, and he... Oh, no, no, you see the cursor on your screen. Oh, you see, interesting. You, you see, like, a... I never like, got to do this because I didn't you have see, anyone play it You see, with. like, a green flower-shaped thing with Tingle's face in the middle and just, oh. and just goes around. It looks like there's, like, someone controlling the mouse on... Interesting, interesting. But, um, so it was very interactive. Very but yeah, even if, like, so, I mean, Kotaku was saying that there is going to be a hint system, even if the Tingle Tuner itself wasn't as much as I thought it was. But um, there's an interesting point of, like, Miiverse, there can be trolls on Miiverse, just like anywhere on the internet. So what about, like, fake hints and whatnot? To which uh, Anuma actually said something interesting. They're not, it's not sent stone, but they're thinking that they might give an option where you can only get people, uh, bottles from people who are close to you, as he put it. Presumably a friends list only feature, maybe which might be a way follow? to curb, yeah, people you follow or people that follow you, or maybe people regionally somehow. But if there, there might be a way that they, Americans are are truth. Yeah, they're not at all. But um, <laughs> there might be some sort of way you can curb the bottle in in cake because there were a lot of bottles in that demo. They're all yeah. over the place, and it was just outside island too. So I don't know. It's a. Uh, I mean, I guess the other the other thing worth mentioning probably. I mean, because really, what you played was just a strip Wind Waker. Yeah, I mean, There's not a whole lot to say in terms of gameplay yeah, I mean, of what we it saw. Controlled well. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, a controlled height. Conf- you can use the uh, if I'm mistake if I'm not mistaken, the telescope you can now use with the gyro, right? You can move the gamepad to control it. Yeah, I mean, that was also very. It, it, if you want to know what it felt like, it felt a lot like um, Ocarina of Time 3D's when you use yeah. the shot first person or Resident Evil's control, right? Because those were really accurate, and the gamepad has a really good gyro, so... Yeah. Oh, or, if you, I mean, if you have a Wii U, I mean, if you just... Sniping in Call of... Do, no, do, Call the, do the panorama right. demo, yeah. and there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's actually interesting because uh, it's a lot like Ocarina of Time. You mentioned the remake of Ocarina of Time. It's a lot like that in terms of their philosophy behind the game. Like, what we saw, it really felt... It was just like an up Wind Waker, just like Ocarina of Time was a 3D-ified um, Ocarina. With better textures. Yeah, with better textures. Yeah, I, better I mean... Animation too. But, I mean, even Ocarina of Time 3D got a huge texture makeover. Like, Link mm-hmm. looked so much better. And even just the philosophy behind how Nintendo's treating the remake is very similar. In that same Kotaku interview... Um, we'll get a cool cover. I'm sure we will. Like, the golden one, just... That'd be nice, yeah. One. But in that uh, Kotaku interview, like, uh, Anuma kind of confirmed, you know, what we're suspecting here, that it is the same sort of idea behind the remake and you're saying that they're not actually going to be putting those two missing dungeons in the in the game contrary to what we thought last episode might happen and that's because the dungeons never actually existed they were conceptual not finished yeah they were just drawings and, yeah and the concepts of those dungeons have since in the surfaced story, uh, right see. and those con- those dungeons have in one form or another surfaced in zelda games since wind waker so even if they put them back they would make sense in fact anuma felt that the uh the current amount of content in wind waker is perfect the only thing he's fixing is uh, streamlining the, trif- the Triforce fetch qu- quest, as we talked about last episode being a thing they might do. It's confirmed. They're now doing it. And he was saying that, uh, you know, the thing that he thought a lot of people were getting frustrated by is you would go to, you get a map, go to an island. On that island be another map. Get that map. Go to a third island. Get that map. Go to a fourth island. Keep going. Get a Triforce piece. Do it, like, however many more times. He was, So what they're doing now is apparently a bit more randomized in the sense that, if I read this correctly... You'll go island by island, but you might get a Triforce piece sooner. Or you might get, like, some other sort of island. Like, it'll be, there'll be more to it than just literally a fetch quest from island to island to island to island. So he's stream, he's somehow, they're somehow streamlining that a bit. But besides that, they're not making any major, tra- major, major changes. They're just like, you know, the boat can go faster and little things like that. So I really wish the demo had the boat. I want to see how fast it went. 
Like, I don't know why they left out King of Red Lions in the yeah. in the demo. But, I mean, those are the four games we played. Well, I mean, Is there anything else you want to add about Wind Waker? Not much, but I mean, as far as, like, the, the fetch quest at the end, I don't think it was that it was confusing. It's just that you had eight pieces. Well, no, not confusing, just through. it took forever. You just went island to island to island. It was like a giant daisy chain of islands that you had to go through. Because the map would take you to a map, would take you to a map, would take you well, to a no, map, no. would take you to a Triforce. No, would take you, you to a map, to a map, to a map, to no, a Triforce. You, no, you would find a map in an island, you would take the map to Tingle, he will tell you where the Triforce is, and the Triforce is, all the Triforces are always in the ocean, you just fish for them. And they tell you exactly where to go, you would find like a glowing spot, you fish for it, and that's it. Oh. It's just... Why did he... I literally had it, saw it, a quote it, where it, he was it, saying it, there's it, a lot it, of maps. It honestly wasn't that bad, it's just that you have to do it eight times. Yeah, oh, you're right. Yeah, here's here's the exact quote from him. I just pulled it up. You're right. I misread what he said. Um, we're planning on streamlining that a little bit, the Triforce quest. Uh, maybe you'll get a map, and it'll lead you to the Triforce, and then you'll get it and move on to the next one. Yeah, that's so they might quote. just go Triforce to Triforce instead of Triforce map, tingle, Triforce map, tingle, Triforce map, tingle. Yeah. That makes more sense. Okay. Yeah, because you always so have that middle map. Yeah, I, middle I misunderstood. Because like, then you, like I said before, your wallet, I think it's not like a 999. And right. And to translate it, it costs like 600 something. Right. So you always had to find a way to make some more money. On right, the side right. And, I mean, it wasn't that Yeah, hard see, once again, I stopped at this point. So I didn't know how exactly unfolded because it just got yeah. annoying. Man, and what so it, they're fixing you, that. You missed quite the end game. Well, I'll get it this time around, maybe. Yeah. But, uh, I'll make sure you do. Yes. Because it's, it's a spectacle. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I know how it ends. I've seen the spoilers, but... Because shame, yeah. Well, I moderated Nintendo's forums for two years. People just post things, so cover your eyes. <laughs> How I moderate with my eyes closed. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, those are the four games we played at the Best Buy experience. Overall, I mean, just really quick. Overall, I'd say the experience was really cool. Nintendo really should have had more than one demo kiosk, like ten. They should have had like twenty. Here's the thing: they told us about twenty minutes before it began. They're expecting four hundred people. The number exceeded that. When I was chatting with like well, the Nintendo reps, they wouldn't outright say, "Yeah, we should have had more demo units," but I kind of made the comment, like, it would have helped there more, you know, that more downward is it could have gone a long way, and they're just kind of like, mm. So, <laughs> so I think that's basically a yes. But uh, if you want full impressions of how the event unfolded and all the Luigi loot, once again, our extra E3 2013 Best Buy style has all that. There's some pictures of some famous Nintendo developers and all sorts of things. And the, the coin I won. And the coin, and the year Luigi coin, and these really cool uh, Pikmin, like, patches that all the Nintendo execs had in their suits during E3. Like, you might see them in pictures or videos from E3 where they all have, like, different three Pikmin patches kind of scattered around their suit like in different poses and stuff. I chatted with one and tell people and got a picture of that patch. Yeah, it looks really got cool. a really good close-up picture. It looks so really if you could cool. reverse engineer that, sell yeah. it. Yeah, and then sell it, you'll make millions. And I, I I'll, I'll be nice. It's yours to have. It's free. I'm not taking a cut. Don't worry. But, um, no, so those are the games we played, and there's some new information on them. But, of course, Nintendo gave a lot more game information on a lot of games that weren't playable at the Best Buy experience and that we didn't have the chance to go hang, hands-on with. And without a doubt... Smash Bros, even when it wasn't playable, was dominating the Nintendo E3 news cycle this week. And uh, Sakurai, Sakurai, the creator of the game, Masahiro Sakurai, he uh, revealed a lot of interesting little tidbits that kind of are starting to give a sense of how the game will actually work. So, um, first up, tripping is completely gone. It's out, it's finished, it's done, it's never coming back. The most random thing that would screw up all the competitive players is gone forever. Yep. So, he originally, if you recall, or if you didn't know, back when Smash Bros. Brawl came out in 2008, he originally was saying the reason for tripping was to add an element of randomness, because he views uh, Smash Bros. more as a party game than as a he was, fighting he game. Was, he was mad that everyone took out the element, the random element. Yeah, he, he, items enjoyed, and he considered it a party game. He considered it like Mario Kart Not or like Mario Party. <laughs> yeah, so he was like, he wanted tripping to be there as a way to 
keep the odds e- a little more balanced. As long as they didn't get rid of all of tripping, there was a lot of tripping that I did like. Well, they, he says like, tripping's gone. Like, like like purposeful tripping. Like Diddy had a move that like the banana they cause you to trip. Oh oh no, that's or... saying that's an item effect. Oh, no, he I, meant I, like no, tripping. I, no, I know. Well, that's it because there's a lot of player. I like, a lot of ki- attacks that make you trip on purpose. I'd argue and... those are more slips than trips. Like well, banana peel. Well, they yeah. acted they acted the exact same way. True, but I imagine those will stay. I think he meant random tripping. Well, yeah. But some other things that Hopefully. won't be in the game. Uh, no DLC, so no updated rosters, no new levels to download and pay for. Which He's saying much how Nintendo's always been. Like, yeah, the but they've started changing with like Mario, uh, New Super Mario Bros. Two, and Fire Emblem Awakening, where they've had paid DLC. I mean, Animal Crossing has free DLC; they've always had that. So if they do free DLC for Smash Bros., that's cool. But yeah, but then I think like those games already felt like complete. complete. Yeah, without that, I mean, a lot of these other games are from other consoles, or even like a lot of the Capcom games recently. You feel. Especially when they announced it day one, it's like... Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what I mean. It's so, like, it's so obvious they're just trying to grab money from it, yeah. yeah but, like, well, I never plan on using that character, but... Yeah, exactly. In my game. Yeah, but Sakurai was saying that the reason he's not doing DLC... Because he pretty much controls the Smash Bros. vision. Nintendo's hands-off. They let him do whatever he wants, basically. He's so the powerful. reason... He's that powerful. So the reason he's not doing DLC is because he believes it's his job to, quote, have the... Or to have, quote, the best and the fullest experience possible when you first buy the game. Which is the right attitude. Like, if he thinks of something a year later, like, oh, how cool would it be if we had a stage for whatever crazy new Nintendo property takes off within that year or something? Then I could see them, you know, having the hooks in the game to be able to plug in DLC and just waiting for the moment and then making it free or something. But it sounds like he doesn't want to do it. So, I know. no, no game, roster updates. Really say he'll, he'll wait. Yeah. No. What? <laughs> no, he won't wait. <laughs> but another thing that's not going to happen whatsoever are there no touch controls. Even though it's on the gamepad and, you know, even it's on the Wii U with the touchscreen gamepad and even, it's on 3D, even though it's on the 3DS with the touchscreen on the lower screen, he is not doing it. And that falls in the footsteps of how uh, in Brawl he didn't have motion controls, if you recall. They were kind of there. They were more like waggle controls. It would replace the smash attack. Right, but it wasn't like so you couldn't like do actual... Oh, no, yeah, yeah. You couldn't, like, I, no one can see what I'm doing. I'm flailing. You couldn't, like, throw the Wiimote up to do an upbeat. Like, no, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, they were barely there. They were there just to... Yeah. As an option, kind of yeah. like Galaxy. Oh, yeah, it was instead of a button press. Like, like point and whack. It was one action instead of a button press, basically. Yeah. And the reason for that is uh, Sakurai always wants the games to be as balanced as possible. He wants to provide a plethora of control options. This is what he was saying to um, IGN. He wants a plethora of patrol... Patrol? Control. <laughs> he, wants a, he wants a plethora of patrolmen to be there and make sure no one leaks the game. But no, he wants a plethora of control options, but he wants to make sure they're all completely equal. So it's your skills that are driving the game, not issues with or without the controls. Now, I would argue he already screwed that up because Wiimote Nunchuck is a pain to play Brawl with on Wii. So much easier with a game controller or a classic controller. It's weird. It's because, I mean... I, it's split, I so actually it played. Weird. I was actually playing Brawl today with my younger brother and another friend, and mm-hmm. since I transferred all my data to my Wii U, I couldn't use GameCube controller, so we were just trying to play with the classic controller pro and the... And I only have two, so right. the winner had to use the Wiimote Nunchuck combo. It's awkward, right? It's weird... Especially because the jump button is on the left now yeah. instead of the right. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's just weird. I've seen people, like, only play with that and have become really good with that. But, but still, it's like... It's something... I mean... I, I mean, it is balanced, it, I mean, it's also, like, my fault just for sticking with the GameCube controller for two generations. Right. Like, I could have easily just right. gone Classic Controller Pro, but... Right. I mean, I'm forced to switch now, so... But, yeah, you're going to have to switch. And he was saying... And, uh, I mean, the interview... He was saying that, yeah, any sort of touch 
options would, you know, screw up that balance even more. Like, you had trouble. Imagine people having trouble with Wiimote controls. Imagine if you had, like, quick cheat buttons like you do in uh, fine games on 3DS where you could just do combos by pressing something. Or, like, even, uh, doesn't Tekken Tag Tournament 2 do that on the No, 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 they do. I mean, same thing yeah. with Street Fighter. But at least, like, those games, they allow the, the filtering out of that online. Right, so. but he wants to have oh, yeah, it be yeah. a level playing field completely. Although, it's interesting, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean it won't be for menus and options, because I would be shocked if character select did not use the gamepad or if you couldn't customize your character with the gamepad or whatever. So I think it's just for battle, but I think it's the right call completely. Um, another thing that we shouldn't expect, let's just go down the list of no's, uh, is according to Joystick, who had an interview with him, there will not be cross-platform fighting between the Wii U version and the 3DS version of the new Smash Bros. He told Joystick that it wouldn't be possible because each game has completely different stages, which I think in and of itself, I think that's news. Previously, he said, what we report, what we report on Wednesday when we did our last episode this past Wednesday, um, he said so the 3DS that... The will have more he said the 3DS, portable yeah. oriented stages as opposed to console. Right, and the Wii U would focus more on home console experiences yeah. for its stage scenes. But he never said so there would like be cross... So like Western stage on the right, 3DS. Right, right. And... I mean, they already showed Nintendogs for 3DS and Spirit Tracks for 3DS while Wii U had uh, City Folk style Animal Crossing yeah, level. And Gerudo Valley. Yeah, and Gerudo Valley. And uh, Skyloft. But... Yeah. But it's interesting because he never said they were completely separate. Now he's saying that might actually inhibit them from cross-fighting. I imagine it'll be some overlap. I imagine the uh, the basic brawl stage, you know, the like, yeah, default like, stage will probably yeah, be the same. And that stadium but, boxing right. arena pick will probably Yeah, be but I really like the fact that they're actually going full-fledged with their different, like, their different experiences for different devices, so we should theme them around each device. Like, that's really clever to me. But um, he did say, even though you can't battle across them, you will be able to transfer customized characters between them. So you could enhance a character on one, bring it to the other, keep enhancing it, bring it back. So kind of, almost like, uh, doesn't Monster Hunter do that with 3DS and Wii U right now? Where you could transfer your stats back and forth? Like you can well, you play can... on the Wii U one, take the 3DS one and go, come back. Well, and so I mean, you transfer character. your whole file. You're oh, okay. So it's not quite the same. Okay. It's just like, yeah. It, it's, that is cross-platform play. Right. Because I'm playing, okay, yeah. I play with my brother. Right. But he meant like you can't fight... A Wii U can't fight a 3DS, is what he meant, with cross-plot. Like, you can't... I can't with Smash Bros. Yeah, with Smash Bros. Yes, I mean, yeah. That's, Monster I Hunter mean, Monster can. Hunter, you can't. Sorry, that's yeah. not clear. But, um... I don't know, he did... I mean, so like, possible, I'm more intrigued but... about the customizable character thing. That's something new. The most customability in the past one... Customization. <laughs> your name Customability is not a word. The most customization is your name and... Oh, alternate costume. And I mean, not so much the character, but you customize your own control, your own control scheme. Right, and you had stickers, and you had stickers that did very minor tweaks to the characters. And that was stats. just in Subspace Emissary. Yeah, so it was exactly. Mode. Right, but for this one, apparently, uh, he said that you, for customization, don't expect costumes and don't expect things like, and this is a quote, repeated tasks like having a complete a goal by killing a hundred whatever or doing this or that. There's gonna be something else he's playing. It sounds like whatever it is is gonna be bigger. It's going to be almost like probably like leveling up or like experience or something like that, I'd imagine. But uh, whatever it is, I hope it doesn't mean the end of alternate costumes because I like Pikachu with his bandana. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of characters just got color alts that yeah. were, I guess, homages to other characters or yeah. other things. But like, it was nice when they got like an actual swap, kind of like Wario in his other costume. Right, yeah. I remember I was actually worried for a while that he wouldn't get his regular Wario suit. He's just cause be Wario Because they're promoting Wario Wars so much. Right, right. But... And now Game of Wario. I mean, that was yeah. it, that was its own dojo announcement. Like, oh, don't worry, Wario. Wario's normal, costume. yeah. And he has six different colored versions. Yep, though. yep. So he has like twelve. Yeah, but I wonder if these will be back. I mean, he's saying customer custom characters won't have costumes, but presumably you can have your custom custom character have an alt costume. It maybe just doesn't mean custom costumes. Yeah, I, don't know. I mean, probably won't. Like maybe Mario will just have different color 
clothes as opposed to one of them being like a tanuki suit. Yeah, that that would make sense. But uh, actually, speaking of characters, he was uh, both IGN and Kotaku asked Sakurai about the character roster, and uh, he was telling both of them in their respective conversations that it's really hard to get third party characters into the Smash Bros. series because there's so many legal hoops and licensing and whatnot you have to go Even through. Even when people want their characters, yeah, because you still have to get the clearance. You still have to get like just in terms of like he was saying, even the Pokemon company you have to jump through hoops because they're a subsidiary of Nintendo, not Nintendo. Like there's all sorts of documents you have to. He didn't specify this, but I'd imagine there's all sorts of documents you have to draw up, contracts you have to sign, profit sharing if any. You know, there must be all sorts of things, like lic- licensing for the music, which might be the property of the guy that made the music versus the guy that designed the game versus the company that published the game. There could be a number of things. Man, so All-Stars just sounds crazy then, because they have... Well, they only had, like, three or four outsider ones, which is exactly what Nintendo had. They have a bunch. Who, like who? I mean, now they have the the Dead Space guy. They had Dead they Space, had the they Dante. had Bioshock, they, they had Dante. Dante. Um, I think that's it. Oh, then maybe it was only three. Yeah, but, um, so what I was saying with Mega Man, though, is don't expect a lot of third-party characters. Mega Man is a special case. Now, I imagine Sonic will be back. I don't know if Snake will be back. He has nothing to do with Nintendo anymore, but he is good friends with Kojima, so it could happen. But Mega Man is a special case, and, uh, in case you're wondering, don't expect any super high-level number of Namco Bandai characters, even though the game's being developed by Namco Bandai under Sakurai's guidance because they have to go through the same legal hoops even though they're developing apparently no. so if we might get one we could get we could get like a you know a mini Pac-Man or not mini a playable Pac-Man but I wouldn't expect much beyond that and, yeah, I mean I'd be yeah. shocked I'd be shocked if Pac-Man wasn't in it it would, just be, it would have to be Namco's biggest thing I mean yeah, yeah not Lloyd or anything. yeah it, it'd have to be Pac-Man but be that'd be kind of cool Pac-Man versus Mario versus Sonic versus Mega Man yeah. I'd be okay with that like whoops company battle right there i'd be more than okay with that that'd be like 80s mashup battle royale but um another thing to say about characters that actually isn't necessarily about the roster is well i guess it kind of is is that the 3ds version is apparently holding back the wii u version a little the 3ds version why are you even making it i know it's kind of like well just drop the 3ds version i think they announced the 3ds version originally because the 3ds was struggling so they were like oh hey here look we're bringing all our major games mario kart blah 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 Smash Bros. First time on a handheld. But now the 3DS is fine. I don't know if they need it. But uh, the issue is the 3DS has all sorts of limitations, which put a limit on how many characters they can actually have in the game and what those characters can do. If anything, I feel they should let, not let the 3DS one hold the Wii one back just to differentiate it yeah. more. It's like, oh, the Wii U is that much more powerful, so it can't have I agree. More characters. I agree. As opposed to it being like, but his whole- oh, it has the same number of characters. It, it kind of makes it feel... It makes it feel more... Of the same kind of like I'll have to buy the yeah. game twice now for the yeah. same characters. Not only that, but I mean, he's even outright saying that they may need to reduce some characters to a certain degree for them to be in both games. That's oh. a direct quote. Uh, but no, I think, well, I think a lot of it is because he wants to have everyone fully transferable because it sounds like transferring characters and customizing them is going to be the big the big draw of this. I don't know what in what sense or what it's going to mean, but it sounds like it's going to be very key. So they need to allow you to do that for any character you want. It's unfair if you can do it for Pit, Samus, and Mega Man, but you can't do it for, say... Dylan from Dylan's Drawing Western, since we seem to like yeah, drawing But on I mean, I mean, any kind of customization this won't even be used in the long run. For anyone yeah. playing the game more than, say, a year, they're not yeah. going to do any of the customization. They're I know, just going right? to put it back at its basic form, take off all items, take off any kind of customization, yep. and just play it. And just play, like, normal one default on one, Smash. Final Destination. Yep, if there is a Final Destination, Metal it has Knight to be. Only. No, no yeah. Matter, nice. But the, the nice thing is... Um, 
back to the character for a sec, though, just because, like, if, yeah, a lot of people get turned off, so they go want, you know, as many characters as possible, since they're not going to be customizing, like you said. But the nice thing is, uh, he is saying, Sakurai did tell Kotaku he's going to try and get as many characters in there as, as physically possible. I think the exact wording he, yeah, that's basically what he said. So, we'll see. We'll see. The last tidbit, uh, the games have official names now. It's Smash Bros, Super Smash Bros for Wii U and Super Smash Bros for Nintendo 3DS. Huge missed opportunity to do Super Smash Bros, the number four Wii U, and Super Smash Bros, the number four 3DS, because it's the fourth Smash Bros. And also wasted opportunity to call it Kerfuffle. Or just any kind of like Super Smash Bros. Kerfuffle. For, for fighting. Kerfuffle. Yeah, it's very lazy of them. I kind of miss all those. I, yeah, I mean, Melee, Brawl. All three of them. No, only two. Two. Yeah. Two. I, it's almost like, like it's kind of, it's nice in its simplicity a little, because it'd be kind of like, you know, like Super Smash Bros. Kerfuffle for the three, Nintendo 3DS is a really long title. But, or or then they'd have to do two different names, but they want to clear their interactive. That's I don't a, know. It's I it's lazy. It's super lazy, and I hope he was misquoted it, 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 by it IGN. Like, it, it sounds like um, what you would call the game if you were trying to just tell someone else in shorthand like what it was. Like, oh, like, yeah. oh what can you call Smash Bros. for Wii U? Yeah. Instead of, like, I don't oh, know. I'm playing Brawl. Like, oh, I'm playing the Smash Bros. for 3DS. The most obvious is Wanted like, just... Oh, what's it called? Like, oh, that's the title. Right, yeah. The most obvious is Wanted just do Smash Bros. U and Smash Bros. 3D. Am I missing something? Why do I have to add all these unnecessary words and names? Yeah. I wouldn't even mind Smash Bros. Universe. See, that'd be clever, because the U of Universe. But then that also implies, um, more characters from different universes. Yeah, yeah and, so, and, <laughs> and, and they might be going Paper the other Mario, direction. And normal Mario. Yeah, and they might be going backwards and do fewer characters. 64-bit so. Mario. <laughs> Man, imagine if it was Super Mario Smash Brothers and it's all just different Marios. Mario's gone through a lot of iterations. Hotel Mario Mario, Mario Kart Mario. And they're all very different. Yeah, but um, even even the art... I Mario, forgot to mention Mario is very Even robust. in uh, Mario 3D World, he looks different. On they, They're using Mario... Super Mario uh, Brothers 2 style artwork for the characters on the on the like health icons and on the mm. character select screen. They're all those like two D hand drawn, look like they're straight out of nineteen eighty nine, nineteen ninety one. Yeah. But um, they look like they look good, but even that's different. Um, but yeah, so Smash Bros with its lame name, Smash Bros Wii, Smash Bros Three S is out next year, as we already know. And there's still more stuff. Sakurai interviews are coming out like once a day now, so I'm sure we'll have even more. Or images. About. I mean, there's always a new. Yeah, image he has a new day. average image every day on the Meverse community. They're updating the site regularly, or they will be. So we're gonna have a lot more Smash Bros coverage coming up in the year to come before it comes out. So definitely stay tuned for that. Of course, there's many other games. That one was the one that really captivated E3. It was... Mega Man Smash Bros. was the number one trending item on Yahoo Search one day. Higher... E3 was number nine. There are no other games between it and E3. It was all random other stuff. So... And, and Smash Bros. was trending on uh, Twitter for quite a while the day it was announced. So, you know, it makes an impact. It is... And it was one of the highly, highest trafficked... Mo- received most traffic of any IGN story, apparently. Well. So... People like their Smash Bros. So onto something new. Yeah, literally something new. Uh, Yoshi's New Island. Yeah, we got a few new details on Yoshi's New Island. Uh, it's coming. They came by way of an IGN interview with the producer of the game, of the game, Takashi uh, Tezuka, who this guy's a legend at Nintendo. First of all, I didn't know this. He actually shares the same job title as Miyamoto, and they've been working there almost as, just as long. This guy directed the original Legend of Zelda. I guess Miyamoto was just one of the peg, you know. I, he might co-director, I'm not sure, but he's the director of Legends of He's the director of A Link to the Past. He's the director of my favorite game, Super Mario World. This guy's, like, quite pro... He now is in charge of um, all of the new Super Mario Brothers series. 
He's quite... Well, Super Luigi used the latest thing. New Super Luigi used the latest thing he's producing. He's quite, like, a prolific guy. He's been with Nintendo forever. And the only reason I'm going into this much detail is because we had the pleasure of meeting him at the uh, Nintendo Experience at Best Buy, which was, you know, Mario World being my favorite game. That I was, took a fuzzy photo of Jason and him. Yeah, and it's on the site. If you go to the actual, you can see the fuzzy photo. But And he's wearing the Pikmin badge as well, or patches as well in his suit. But, yeah, no, it was just really cool to meet him because Mario World's my favorite game. So I was, like, kind of, not exactly starstruck, but kind of just like, whoa, like, my childhood i owe a lot of it to you sir i didn't say that i was thinking sounds starstruck yeah no i I didn't say it i was just like hi (laughs) but but anyway so he gave some new information on yoshi's new island to uh, ign as i mentioned and what we know now is the game's actually being developed by uh arzest who is the maker of yoshi's island ds and uh, the new super mario brothers series developers are helping out with level layout so could be some really cool level ideas because like super mario brother new super mario brothers you had some very cool levels but, um, interestingly, the most interesting thing is the game's actually a direct sequel to the original Super Nintendo Yoshi's Island. They're kind of pretending the DS one didn't happen, I guess. Maybe they're scaling it back and going back to basics and you can't have the other babies and their powers. I'm not quite sure. Or they got delivered and... But this takes enough. place before that one. They're saying this is a direct sequel to the original. They're, like, well, skipping well, the well, DS Well, then one. they got kidnapped again. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the DS one didn't, even, didn't really need a... It's not like they need a story for this anyway. Babies just got kidnapped. They yeah. were kidnapping babies from all over the place. Right. It's not like they need a story to begin with. But I want... Yeah, I bet you that means they're not going to have the returning multiple characters. It's probably just Baby Mario this time. Yeah. Which in a way... Wait a minute. Out. I remember... I think DS1 involved time travel because I think it was older Bowser, future Bowser, kidnapping all... Attacking Mario while he was still a baby. So that's why he was kidnapping all the babies from all uh, over the world. Oh, I see. But that doesn't explain why they're just pretending it never happened. Well, because it could, Story take, wise. Cause it could take place at any point. True. Because it I'm just wondering. Travel. Yeah, I know. I'm just wondering why they're going with a direct sequel. Especially because it's the developer of the DS version. This is such a nitpick because the story doesn't matter. Maybe Mario is now a year older and doesn't cry as much. He's a little more mature. Oh, he, he's growing up right, in front of, right before our eyes. Nah, no. But no, besides the story so, and how nonsensical it is and whether it even matters in the grand scheme of things, we also know okay. that mm-hmm. the, uh, the new look is... They're not just making it 3D because, oh, look, we can do polygons now. They're actually purposely doing a less crayon-y, less hand-drawn look. Um, Tezuka was explaining to IGN that what he really wanted to do and what Nintendo wanted to do is they wanted to make something look more physical, more handcrafted. That's why Yarn Yoshi looks how it does on the Wii U. They wanted to make it look like you know someone's knitting game to life. And this one, they're making it more 3D and more rounded, almost like they're like sculpted to make it more like handmade instead of hand-drawn. Because hand-drawn, that's like older technology. You can do that easily. Handmade, making things that look like they're like inanimate objects come to life. That's the new the new hot thing, I guess. But that's why the game has the yeah, 3D. Yeah, I mean, we got Tearaway on the Vita, and then you got that other puppet. Little Big Planet thing. with Sackboy. Yeah. No, and then that other one coming up, it looks like a puppet show. It's also a... a Puppeteer? PlayStation exclusive, yeah, Puppeteer. Yeah. So, many of those kind of so it is kind of the new, like the new hotness in the industry, so to speak. Yeah, found objects come to life. Yep. So that's why it's going 3D this time. And uh, that's really all we know about Yoshi's New Island. They haven't decided on multiplayer. They haven't decided on Street Pass. It's not coming out till 2014. But Tezuka and the team at uh, Zest are, I guess, working pretty hard to iron it all out. I'm really excited about the different worlds. Apparently, like, they're going with different art styles. We talked about this last time. But, like, so one world will be oil paintings. One world will be watercolors. The next world will be crayons. So it's kind of like you have this little, like, sculpture coming to life in these very different... It's like going through a museum. Like a little sculpture going through a museum. In terms of, like, just browsing different styles of art. So that's kind of neat. But uh, since we're on the topic of Yoshi, I mean, good time to transition to Yarn Yoshi and actually talk about some games Nintendo didn't even show at E3, but that have 
been discussed and new tidbits have been announced through um, interviews and chats with the developers. So Yarn Yoshi, uh, IGN got Tezuka to also comment on Yarn Yoshi, and it wasn't at E3 for the simple reason of it wasn't ready to be shown. That's a good reason, right? I mean, it's not coming out to 2014 anyway, so... I mean, it's not ready to be shown, like... Exactly, yeah, but I, yeah, so they didn't have anything to say about it, but he was happy... I mean, they could have bombarded with more, but... Yeah, also didn't really have to. So. Yeah, exactly. So they're like, we might as well save it. But uh, he did. Tezuka did have some sa- things to say about it. Uh, good feel. The developers of Kirby's Epic Yarn are in fact developing this one. It does. Um, it, you know, it's coming along nicely. Uh, he, according to him, he said that the only reason the game actually exists is because only the, reason. Literally, he's like, the reason it exists is because one. I guess it's two reasons. One, when he saw Kirby's Epic Yarn, he's like, this would be great for Yoshi. Like the style can match him just as easily. And two, it looks super cool in HD. And the way you can do HD. So they're like, well, why don't we take Kirby's Epic Yarn, throw Yoshi in it, make it HD, and yarn Yoshi. Like, that's apparently all there was to it. remember someone saying that, like, after Kirby's, yarn, Kirby's Epic Yarn came out, that they really wanted to do this with other Nintendo yeah, mascots. Yeah, I remember that, too. It was one of the developers. Yeah. yeah. It was one of the good feel guys. Maybe we'll see Yarn Samus. Nah, I think they're going to stick to the <laughs> cutesy so characters. And... I know. They're going to stick to the cutesy characters. They're not going to start doing, like, chibi Samus or anything, I don't think. But um, he did mention, and this is a big one for, like, anyone that's played Epic Yarn, uh... I mean, I can attest to this. You can attest to this. Yep. It is really, 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 really easy at times. Like, entirely. You can't die. It you depends, can't lose. It depends how you want to play. If, if you, you choose, if, 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 yeah. if you just want to beat the game, go from point A to point B, it's probably the easiest game you'll ever play. Mm-hmm. But if you actually try to incorporate the the jewel and gathering system into it, it's just as challenging as any Right, because when you hit enemy, you lose the jewels. Yeah. Yeah. So, but most people... So it's about never getting hit. And they do provide enough obstacles to get hit. So yeah. if you play it like that, it's pretty challenging. But, but even then, the general. But if you don't care, right? And the general consensus was most people didn't care, and they found it, like that was all the reviews. Like it's easy. So he didn't promise anything, but Tezuka said they are looking to make it harder, like Yarn Yoshi, and make it more of a challenge for normal gamers because Kirby Epic Yarn is definitely a ca- more casual, friendly title. And I mean, I would take Tezuka's word Which, on this. Actually, if you think of it, Tezuka it's kind of awesome that they incorporated that. Like they made it as easy as it could possibly for the casual, yeah. so casual. But if someone wants to give themselves a really good challenge, they do have a way to play that yeah, game. Yeah, but the game didn't really reward you if you did. Well, like, I mean, I mean yeah. you got something at the end. I mean, it, gave, but... it gave you more levels. It gave you things. Well, it gave you more levels? Yeah. Oh. Where have I been? Why am I so out of the loop on this episode? That, that, that's why <laughs> That's why we played the game lots of times, because it was just that much more fun when I played it like that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I mean, they did the other, the biggest reward, I guess, that the game tried to give you was the... You get to decorate your own apartment. And have I remember that. And that wasn't yeah. that compelling. So, exactly. But. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, if he is serious... Why well, didn't think it was? I, I agree. If he thinks that... I mean, I'd rather keep my decorating of living Animal spaces Crossing. to Animal Crossing, yeah. yeah. But if, uh, I mean, if Tezuka says he can make it more challenging... Available take, now. Animal Crossing New Leaf. Only thirty four ninety nine at your local retailer or the Nintendo eShop. Anyway, <laughs> brought to you by us. Anyway, no, um... I mean, this guy knows challenging. If he wants to make challenging games, Tezuka, he can get his people to do it. Like... He did the challenge mode. He produced New Super Mario Brothers U, and it's challenge mode. He knows, like he knows what's up. He can make a challenging game. If yeah, he that nerve rack pack. Yeah, that's that's yeah. all him. That's well, he produced. So that's all him and his team. So if he wants a challenge, he can make a challenge. And the impossible pack, I think that's what it was called. I still haven't beaten it. I don't even think I downloaded. it. I think I was too scared. I just, down- I just downloaded the hard packs because I needed the challenge and right. it delivered. Yeah, but going from. Epic Yarn and Yarn Yoshi, which are like the cutesy, like happy-go-lucky games, to the very serious, very yeah. adventurous and all we gotta put, Zelda. Take away those smiles. Yeah, t- Nintendo likes to put smiles on everyone's faces, and we're gonna take them right away by going dark with Zelda. 
there's a re- new Zelda, obviously coming to Wii U. It was announced alongside Wind Waker HD back in January. And it wasn't at E3, but according to Miyamoto, it could have been at E3. He told Game Informer that the game is actually in a state where they could have showed it, but they decided not to because they want to focus mm-hmm. on they games. They could have, but we didn't want to. Yeah, literally, he's like, we could have, but nah. They want to focus on games from uh, coming out this year or early next year, like the the new the next wave, and this one's a little further out than that. I mean, Twilight Princess was at E3 like three times. Uh, no, two times. Skyward Sword was there three or four times, so I could see why they didn't want to have Zelda there again. Plus, it's a little weird to have three Zelda games at one E3 show, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Wind Waker, uh, Link Between then Worlds, get, and this. We were getting complaints of, like, oh, too much Mario, too, yeah. too much Link. Yeah, too much Link, too much Zelda. But we did get some, like, little tantalizing tidbits from uh, interviews with Numa was doing with various outlets. And these actually are getting... This, these make me really excited about the potential for the new Zelda. So uh, the first thing he was saying is that he and the Zelda team are hoping to somehow change up the formula of Zelda in some way. He was speaking with Engadget. And basically, he was saying that um, they've heard fans' complaints, and they know that the structure might be getting a little stale, and they realize that fans feel that way. So what they want to do is they want to, you know, mix things up a little, liven things up, which is what they said for uh, Skyward Sword. But, and they did mix it up, but not necessarily to the best results they could have possibly had, you know? So, I mean, I think you could agree Skyward Sword overall had less of a positive critical reception, from like, review-wise. Yeah, it was... Somewhat mixed, yeah. Like, if yeah. people loved it, they loved it, yeah. but they were, if they didn't, they thought it was, like, oh, it's not enough room to explore, it's kind right. of like the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it, it really, it like... It wasn't the Ocarina of Time reception that they wanted or they were expecting. So, yeah, you got an email. We always forget to turn off your email sound effect. I bet there's so many people that use, like, iPhones or Macs and get that same, have that same email sound every time they're listening and they do hear that. I thought it was that. a very important part of the podcast, the part. Well, yeah, the part where we fake everyone out so they go check their email and go, oh, I didn't get anything, and cry. Oh, no, no, the part where I get email. Oh, it is. It is. All right, anyway. But anyway, no, so um, I was going to say that, obviously, and Anuma was saying this to Engadget, it's a very fine balance between being able to innovate in the franchise without making it not feel like Zelda, and he realizes that if they change it too much, people are going to go, this isn't Zelda anymore. So with that said, he didn't really give any more information to Engadget, except he gave one very interesting, very interesting little single sentence. He said uh, that he wants players to have more freedom, he wants them to be explore more, and then here's the, here's the big sentence. Quote, The concept of the item will be completely different than what you've experienced before. He literally said that as Engadget was walking out the door. He's like, oh, by the way, guys, items are going to change. I have no idea what that means. But it sounds intriguing. And this, keep in mind, this is on top of, uh, this is on top of him already saying Zelda might not strictly be a solo experience anymore. Back in January when they were first talking about it. I don't think it means massively multiplayer game. I don't think it even means Four Swords. I think he means, like, some sort of online hook of some sort. Kind of like how Wind Waker has the bottle system. Like, imagine if items were, like, you could upgrade them, but then you could sell your items in your own way, almost like an RP, like almost like an MMO, but without other players. It's just like shops, like a trade industry or something. Hmm. So then, and like all, like you don't. It's not like a standard item that everyone uses to complete a certain dungeon, and you have to like adapt your items and like upgrade them and build them or something. Um, yeah, kind of, but with an online marketplace for it, like you share your items online and stuff. I don't know if it'll be that. It's not too complicated. I don't know. I mean, if Nintendo does it in a seamless, easy way. I just told speculation. I just I mean, thought it was really I mean, if I had to guess, I would assume, for the most part, every Zelda is like, you find an item in the dungeon, you yeah. use an item to beat the boss. Yeah. I would hope that maybe instead of just kind of using that item, 
you have to use every single item you've incorporated this far. Yeah, that would make Cause, sense. Because that's like that's like what you want to that's you want that's uh, that's what you want out of a boss to kind of test everything you've learned up to that point. Right, and Zelda's always been very compartmentalized. Yeah, so you always of... use your sword and that specific item. That's yeah. always that's what you always usually do, except for maybe not pretty much it. except for that one boss in Skyward Sword where you use the weapon that the monster used against you. Yeah, but I think that would be a lot better. Yeah, it will be interesting. Maybe not, maybe not revolving the dungeon around that specific item, but yeah. just everything. Yeah. I, just, I don't know. I just think the uh, his comments about more freedom and open world and the previous comments about it might not be solo anymore. And now he's saying about items. I don't know if they're all connected or if they're all individual threads, but it's a lot of interesting teases that suggest there are some big changes afoot. And I mean, he also spoke with NintendoLife.com uh, about the new Zelda. And this was more about um, more about the structure of the game than about how you know the new innovations is specifically will it be all contained on the disc or can we start to see zelda dlc i don't know if i would want that but what he said was uh he seemed willing to include it but he said that they haven't come to a decision they're looking at the different ways that they can add on content you know that way uh here's the quote that will enhance the experience for the user maybe more places or to explore or just to enrich the experience beyond what's on the disc and then he went on to say that of course it's a balancing act because you don't want to you know, you don't want to make it seem like the content wasn't... That they have to buy it separately like it should have been there day one like Capcom often does. Or many DLC does. So it's he, they're not sure if they're even going to do it. They're kind of exploring it. But I would be okay with some sort of DLC thing if it was like extra dungeons that came out a few months later. Like you beat the game and then you, you know, unearth like some ancient ruins that you can... Like an ancient tower of some sort. And like each floor is like a separate world yeah, dungeon. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they say when the Wii came out that... It's built so that they could add, like, DLC to, like... We or Wii U? Wii. Because I, rem- I remember them saying, like, oh, we could, like, add, a like, a weapon later to yeah. Zelda or something Remember like Wii that. Connect 24? The point yeah. of Wii Connect 24 originally was to be able to deliver content to your games overnight while you're asleep. And then the disc slot would light up, and you'd be like, ooh, what's this new thing I have in the game? And you go look. So, yes, new items in Zelda, new characters in Smash Bros. That was the core premise of Wii Connect 24. Never it fell to the wayside in favor of, I'm sending my screenshot to my friend. Or, look, we shared friend tokens or whatever in Metroid Prime 3. So, I kind of wasn't... I feel like Hound and currently has the Wii U, minus the awesome glowing disc slot from the Wii. The Wii U is the undelivered promise. And Spot Pass on the 3DS is undelivered promise of what we Connect 24 should That's have true. been. true. Every time we see the little blue light, it's like, oh, yeah. we got a new puzzle piece. Yeah, it's super it. exciting, too. And, like, the Wii U is eventually gonna... That sounds sarcastic, but it's serious. And the Wii U is eventually gonna have it, too. Next to firmware update, we'll add Spot Pass, supposedly. So... Oh, yeah, the summer update. The summer update, which be... they haven't even talked about at all at E3. I mean, summer just started, so we have all summer to get They'll it. They'll have an Nintendo Direct. for us to have a date to look forward to. Well, Nintendo to, has a... Claw it. Nintendo has a general... <laughs> claw it. As Cat like Mario. The calendar, yeah. Uh, Nintendo has a general shareholder meeting on June 27th, which I believe last year is when they announced the 3DS XL at that meeting. I know it was around that time. So, who knows? They'll probably announce something about the firmware update around then. Of course, we'll cover it next episode. But, um, before that... We have so many more games. Specifically, uh, there are two more first-party games that we... Last episode, we were wondering, where'd they go? Why aren't they at A3? Why aren't they on a like, press release? We have answers. And those two games were Mario Party and Mario Golf on 3DS. So first, Mario uh, Golf. Mario Golf World Tour, if you recall, was originally going to be a summer title this summer. Then it got pushed back to it sounded like September, maybe. It's just like a little more time is what I want to said. Now... We're looking at 2014, which I totally called last episode where I said, I bet it's coming out next year now. So, go me. Uh, it's officially been delayed to 2014, like I said. They don't have a date, they don't have a time, like a quarter or a season. It's just 2014. So it's a ways off. And hopefully that means, I don't know, 
fancier modes. Maybe they're adding an RPG mode like the Game Boy Advance one. I'd be super okay with that. Not to have more time. They can't really get away with releasing something like Mario Tennis. Yeah, they Tennis. can't do like Mario Tennis Open where it was just like a rushed product. Yeah. I mean, Mario Tennis Open was good, but it was clear that they got was, out the door quickly. It's just, it's more of a. It was just lacking on content. experience. It's just exactly what you expect. Just tennis. Yeah. So I'm hoping. So yeah, if golf like takes this extra year or however much time they need to fix that and make it a more we deep experience. Over 100 hours deeper. of gameplay. Yeah. I, I mandate that Mario Golf must have. 42.5 hours, bare minimum. I don't know why you would play golf for 42 hours straight, but... Hey, it's Mario Golf. Actually, Mario Golf, I could totally play for 40 hours straight. That game is amazing. But, yeah, um... Sports game. That's gonna yeah. be in, like, Nintendo Sports Land of just Mario... It has to be. There's yeah. no... They don't have EA. They're all really good, though. Mario Super Slugger and Mario Strikers are so fun. If you have yeah, all the sports games are really good. I mean, really, they just and took... And they're surprisingly really deep, too. Yeah, all they, they do is take the Mario... All they do is take the Mario Kart formula and take the same idea of over-the-top versions of traditional sports yeah but it, well i mean for strikers there but for baseball they actually kept pretty strict with the rules like, that's true it's more of a it, sim than anything i mean i didn't know much about baseball but i have a friend that's obsessed with baseball and he right. was really surprised how in-depth this game went with his baseball right. rules and had that fun mario twist to it yeah but i mean we ended up playing with just taking off all items but still right like it was like the most fun i had on the wii since smash brothers bro that's a big claim that's saying <laughs> but uh speak other mario mario party uh, that was not a good transition. So that's Mario. Yeah. Go- that's what happened in Mario Golf. Here's Mario Party. I don't believe any of the reviews people said. I remember everyone saying that the reviews that for sluggers. Yeah, for sluggers that the controls didn't work at all. That's like that's like that was like the biggest thing I saw. But yeah, that, everyone that hated that the controls. Never, I never had a single problem with them. Did you do Ever. motion or button? Motion. Okay. The home runs like nothing. Because <laughs> we played it that much, but yeah. Yeah, but uh, back to Mario Party since that's the other game that mysteriously wasn't I three. Apparently. It's slated for a November release, according to uh, some information Nintendo gave to analysts, an analyst briefing. They specifically, at the analyst briefing they released, that's where we saw Mario Golf as well. They put out a, they put up a slide that showed their lineup of 3DS and Wii U games from now through next year. Mario Golf was obviously pushed 2014. Mario Party 3DS was listed for November, which is shocking considering they've shown everything coming out this year. Why would they not bring that to E3, release a screenshot even, like... I don't know. It's try- I get the feeling they put it on there to keep their investors and analysts happy, and then come in September, October, they'll go, oh, um, we really wanted to make that release date, but I think we're going to have to delay it to improve the quality of the game. Like, I'm pretty sure they know it's not going to hit. They're just giving it the option to hit if they somehow, you know, speed up development or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I'd be happy if it came in November, and I'd be super happy if it had online play, but I'm guessing it probably won't, even if Nintendo says it will. I'd be happy to be proven wrong, though. And that, actually, that Nintendo analyst briefing, there's some interesting news that came out of that. So how Nintendo did it this year is, um, you know, obviously they had the Nintendo Direct Tuesday morning. And they had the software showcase for developers later that morning. The Wii U software showcase. And they had the Pokemon X and Y roundtable that night. And then the next day, I believe the next day, they had an investor brief, or an analyst briefing. Kind of like the ones they do for their financial reports in Japan. So Iwata and Reggie came out, and they just outlined like some sales statistics, um, mostly stuff we've heard before, so we won't get into that this episode, but they did talk about some new initiatives and things they're going to be doing. Most notably, uh, they're planning to expand Street Pass here in the U.S. Street Pass, I mean, it's a great feature in Japan. It's a great feature in like super super urban areas or when you're going to like Comic-Con or E3 or like a video game event. It's very fun to you know interact with gamers and, and get their puzzle really pieces because they'll go down the lines like shaking it yeah when we were at the Nintendo yeah actually when we were at the Nintendo experience at Best Buy um, there were like what 150 people online probably and people were like running up and down the line shaking their 3DS's and some people had two right just they could yeah, double street I, I pass I thought that was kind of like some people like literally like 
both said like, oh, we I have the second one just as a support duty to make sure I get all the puzzle pieces. Yeah. But, but it's funny because like Jason and I and my brother even like we have like no problem getting all the puzzle pieces. Like I've already, I've been able to. I have all the pink every, pieces for everything. Yeah, yeah like we don't. Uh, well, we go to a ton of Nintendo. That's events. true. Keep that's in mind, true. we're super hardcore. That's true. We can't. And honestly, if we didn't live in LA, which is a very major area that has major events all the time, we wouldn't get anything. Like, people in, like, random cities around the country aren't going to get... Like, you know, I used to live in um, a town called Missoula, Montana. Shout out to Montana, if there's anyone listening from there. And uh, I guarantee street passing is very rare there. They have, like, 80, 90,000 people there, but I bet they don't street pass. So Nintendo's going to address that, not just for the Missoulians everywhere, but for the rest of the country, too. That's what they're called, Missoulians. Um... So what they're doing, and it's actually really interesting that they're doing this. It's only in America where this has been an issue. Is as you might be aware, Nintendo has twenty eight thousand Wi Fi hotspots that are free for three DSs using Nintendo Zone. You know, can access whatever on Nintendo Zone. They're at McDonald's, they're at Starbucks, they're at Westfield Malls, they're in some airports, Best Buys, Best Buys and are completely free Can't, to use on three DS. Sometimes Best Buys are wonky, like they don't right. have it on or whatever. So what they're going to do though, I get the signal, but I can't get right. But what they're going to do is. Um, they're going to turn those hotspots into relay points for street pass. So how it will work is you can get, like, a time-delayed street pass. You'll go somewhere. If your 3DS is in sleep mode in your pocket, it will street pass with the server there and upload your street pass data, just like, you know, as a normal person that you're street passing with, to their remote server. Then someone else comes by later, and it downloads your data and uploads their data. So instead of having a one-to-one exchange where... Jose and Jason are switching characters. It'd be Jason gave his character to Jose. Jose gave his character to Bob. Bob gave his character to like kind of a daisy chain of it. So it's going to be a different approach. Like you won't street pass the person that street passes you, but it's an easy way to get more puzzle pieces, get more items and games, more motivation to have people out there carrying their 3DSs everywhere they go, everywhere they go, which is um, Nintendo's goal. They want to people, they'll point street pass in my mind. And I'm sure this is part of the reasons they want people to be out there with their 3DSs, and other people go, "Oh, what's that cool thing?" Like it's free marketing for them. Why would they not want people carrying yeah. their 3DSs? I mean, no, that's really cool. I yeah, mean, and like it's just idea. yeah, and it's just so it does kind of like issue. take away some of that. Like, oh, like I've met this person three times already, and they're right here right now. Yeah, it does because we because we go to so many events here in LA, like us two. Yeah, we we street pass like some. I've street passed with Nintendo people multiple times, which is kind of funny. I know we have um, kit. Yeah, Kit Ellis of Nintendo. There, he does uh, the Nintendo videos on YouTube as well as a lot of their PR. Yeah, we we street past him. I think four Harris times. People. Yeah, we street past Golden Harris people. We street past some Nintendo handlers from Japan when the developers were at uh, the Best Buy event. Bill Trennan, I street past him at Comic Con last year. Uh, yeah, we street past a lot of interesting people. Interestingly, none of the developers from Nintendo. And when we ran into Miyamo, Reggie, and Iwata last uh, weekend when they were saying free three, none of them had three DSs. So they lie. They make it seem like they always carry their 3DSs. I went back and checked, and we did street pass them. We did? Yeah, I had... I thought he delivered, we was delivered through Spot Pass. No, that's right. I had his me and the Spot Pass me. They're, oh, I need to check that. They are playing different games. The Spot Pass me said from Nintendo, and he was playing some, whatever current game is out right Dude, now. Dude, I need to check that after this. Was playing I'm super excited. Game that was probably Tomodachi Collection or something. I, I mean, once again, it. I'm just going to point out, like, he made my favorite game of all time. I, I want to street pass that, dude. Or he directed. I want to street pass that guy. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, so that's what they're doing with Street Pass, and it's coming this fall. And it's super exciting. In the sense that, like, for a lot of people, you can't get... Like, it's super exciting that Nintendo's addressing the issue head-on and actually putting in the money to do this. I'm sure in the end it's for marketing reasons for them, but it's just great end result for the people that live in, like, the smaller towns. Because yeah. we're, we're the exception, not the rule. Like, we are the rare American gamer who has a lot of Street Passes. Yeah. So, and I mean, plus it kind of 
works well with all those street pass communities like street pass la street pass nyc street pass chicago street pass you know fort dallas fort worth i don't know like they all have these communities where people get together but that's in many cases the only time the only time they can street pass so now now every time they go to starbucks they'll street pass yeah uh so that's the first thing they announced the second thing is not really an announcement, but uh, Iwata did briefly discuss third party situ- this third-party situation on Wii U, because obviously that's a major concern. We saw not very many announcements. We're about to break them down, but there were maybe four new third-party games shown off at E3, one of which was Sonic Lost World, which we already knew about. But, they, they you know, obviously Ubisoft had Watch Dogs, Assassin's Creed, whatnot. Disney was there with Planes. Uh, Scribblenauts was there for Warner Brothers. Yeah, it kind of does. Uh, Scribblenauts was there. Batman Arkham Origins was there. Like, there were games, but they weren't new things we didn't know so what i was saying is there's actually a reason for that well uh it's simply because um there are more unannounced titles to come but the companies aren't ready to announce it and he's not at liberty to say it it's not his job to say it but he did say more are coming and we're already starting to see that happen but first it's still not going to be enough probably right and nintendo realizes this so they actually have a wii u strategy they're using going forward for how they're going to get their parties. And in a nutshell, it's software drives hardware, hardware drives install base, install base means more games. Pretty rudimentary, but Nintendo um, has this like all mapped out very closely, so we're going to talk about that after the third-party games, where we talk like general Nintendo philosophies that we learned at E3. But first, let's talk to those third-party games, because, uh, excuse me, Iwata made that comment. There are more games to come, and then literally like the next day, Call of Duty Ghost was accidentally confirmed for Wii U. So like, he was not kidding. Like, it, 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 it's happening. Um... Call of Duty Ghost is potentially the biggest third-party announcement. Actually, no, it is the biggest third-party announcement for Wii U that came out of E3. And it came out in a demo session of the game on GameSpot's live feed. It, oh, it wasn't a press release. It wasn't a. It wasn't even a showing of the game. The guy just like, it was like, yeah, it's coming to Wii U. Just like as an aside. The exact producer of the game, uh, he was later Mark Rubin. Day. Yeah, no, Mark Rubin, who is no longer with the company. No, he's still there. But he said that the game... Um, is coming, but we're quote we're actually uh, we're not actually talking about the Wii U yet. And why is that, Mark? Please do tell us, Mister Rubin, why you're not talking about the Wii U. Quote number two. Because we're not trying as hard on it. Not even that, because we want to keep it mysterious. That's PR, guys. That's not my fault. What? Wait, how? What? I mean, the only thing I could think they don't of want is like to get excited about it because yeah, they, they don't, don't want people to be excited. It. The only thing I could think of is the PR people are like, well, so many people speculate is Call of Duty coming to Nintendo. You have a new article every two weeks with a new flip flop. It's free publicity. But you know what else is free publicity? Announcing your game and letting the Wii U fans read up on all the blog posts on your site about it alongside its sister con- its sister versions on other consoles. Because, I mean, believe it or not, there are people that actually only own a Wii U and not a PS2. Like me. Reason. And I own Call of Duty exactly. Black Ops 2 well, and enjoy yeah. it. Case in point. Yes, thank you. That's like another sale right there that they wouldn't have. Yeah. I mean, it, least, they tell us two months in it. They tell us like a month or two in advance. Don't they want Jason but... to be super excited about Call of Duty Ghosts? I'd be talking it up on the show. We haven't covered anything. There's all sorts of announcements. Playable dogs, underwater segments. Playable dogs? Playable dogs. Oh. You play a dog. It's it's Call of Duty Dogs. They try so hard about well, it. sort of. You like control a dog. It's Call of Duty Dogs versus Super Mario 3D World Cats. Hmm. The Battle of the Century. But, um, no, there's all sorts of things. There's playable dogs. There's um these underwater like scuba diving sessions. There's kind of on rails. It's like the flying ones in Black Ops 2, but you're underwater now. Apparently, it's the first that has it or something. But there's all this stuff, and I haven't been keeping track, and we haven't covered it on the show simply because it wasn't coming to Wii U. And now they're like, well, it is, but we didn't want you to know that. It's super dumb. I think they could get so much more publicity and so much more attention, so many more people interested if they just tell people up front. And not only that, we don't know when it's actually coming out. <laughs> the guy, uh, Mr. 
Mr. Mark Rubin, said that uh, the release date hasn't been confirmed, but probably is going to fall into the, quote, next-gen bin opposed to the current-gen bin, which means after the current-gen release on PS3 and 360 of November 5th. Presumably, the next-gen versions will launch alongside it, PS4 and Xbox One, and then the Wii U will be somewhere in there. But it's oh, just man. like, why would they keep that a secret? Seriously, why? That's so dumb. But um, one game that was definitely not a secret, because it leaked early, and because... Unless, I mean, is there anything else you want to say about Call of Duty? I think we kind of... Nope. It up. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it's yeah. like, it's coming. It's kind of, yeah, that's pretty much it. But yeah, one game, like I started to say, one game that wasn't a secret, it leaked before E3, but we didn't get a chance to cover it because we didn't talk through party, is Just Dance 2014. Yes, Woo. the hit dancing game that made that really made a name for itself on the Wii is, unsurprisingly, coming back on the Wii U after last year's entry. Where you get to shake the gamepad around. Well, you, so, you, don't, you sort of do. You are a puppet master with the gamepad. Yeah. You don't actually oh, yeah, yeah. use a Wiimote or... Nothing. But, um, yeah, you know, it's actually, like, Just Dance is, like, whatever, but this one's actually kind of interesting because they're doing some kind of neat things with it. It almost sounds like, it almost sounds like, you know the Step Up movies where it's like, yeah, dance crews against dance crews. Oh, we're so tough. We're going to do backflips and pirouettes. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? They're like, yeah, this is almost like that. Like, they have, like, you could form, like, an online crew and, like, compete against other crews online. There's, like, leaderboards and stats and all sorts of stuff. Like, if you're into that sort of thing, that sounds amazing. Like, I'm personally not, but I could see the potential. Like, it sounds... Kind of cool. It. Yeah, it's so so what they're doing for 2014's edition, by the way, how lazy are they? Never mind Smash Bros. for Wii U and Smash Bros. for 3DS. This game doesn't even have a name anymore. It's just the year. It's like Madden, but dancing. It's Whoa. dancing Madden. Even Madden has a name I mean, this year. Is, is, it, is it lazier than Just Dance 3, Just Dance 4? I guess it's the same. But this, admits they're gonna they keep do, but this admits they're going to do it every year from here on out. Yeah. Those meant they could take a break if they wanted. But yeah. they're annualizing it. But anyway, um... So yeah, the the Wii U version is fully featured. It has parity with the other versions, which is nice. That's not that common. Ubisoft does a good job of that, but other companies, EA, sometimes don't. Uh, but the uh, like I said, it's gonna have World Dance Floor, which is that online mode, and it will be tracking stats. It's also gonna have some other modes, including on stage, where this one's kind of neat if you have a big ego. You get to be like the lead dancer and the lead singer. Yes, you can sing apparently. I don't know if it's with a mic or just out loud to your friends. The press release didn't say. But you could sing, and then the people behind you are backup dancers, and, like, kind of how you do, how you perform indicate, like, they drive your performance, so you need them to do well, but you're, like, the, like, it's tiered stats. It's not everyone's equal. Huh. So that's kind of cool if you have, like, kids or something. You want the, you know, your little daughter, six-year-old daughter to be, like, the star, and you're just back there helping. It's like a support mode almost. Or can it be a six-year-old son? Or son. I just think, I don't know, I just, I'm just thinking like female pop star when I was describing it. Oh. Could be a son, just as easy as a daughter. But, um, yeah, the other thing they're adding is to bring back Puppet Master mode, which is where you use the gamepad to make the poses, and now it's called uh, Party Master because they're adding new stuff. And it has an exercise mode called Just Sweat. So, that's all in October. So that's pretty much just put the music on and just do whatever you want. Yeah, it's like you make your playlist, you make, it will like, base it, you can like, do tempo-related stuff and stuff to like, you know, the peaks and the highs and lows of your exercise routine, that sort of thing. But that's all in October. Personally, I'm probably not going to get it, but the world party, the world dance floor actually sounds like a very cool idea and a very clever evolution of the franchise, which is the only reason I thought it was worth maybe mentioning this. And it's another big title for the Wii U. Not for us, but for casuals. Uh, another title, which is not quite as big, but stars an equally big name, is Namco Bandai's Pac-Man Museum. That is actually coming to the Wii U and 3DS eShop, not retail, and this is a compilation of all sorts of Pac-Man games from his, as they put it, humble beginnings 
way back in the 80s up through uh, the more modern releases like the supposedly excellent Pac-Man Championship Edition, which I've yet to play myself. Or no, I have. I had it on my Android phone when I used to have Android. But um, most notably, they're including Pac-Man Battle Royale, which is a four-player arcade Pac-Man where each person's on one different corner of the map with with their Pac-Man. They're all fighting for the same pellets, all eating the same pellets, all fighting to eat the same fruit, and they can eat each other. Like it's like super Pac-Man intense. Grab a pellet. I assume so. Just uh, yeah, because I don't think there's ghosts. I didn't see ghosts in the video I watched about Royale, but um, yeah, it's like super intense multiplayer Pac-Man. So that for the first time will be available on game systems instead of just as an arcade like tabletop. And it's kind of a newer thing. It's kind of like Championship Edition in look and feel, but um, yeah, all that's there's no date, but it's all coming to Wii U and 3DS eShop sometime this year, I'd imagine. And you know, the thing with Pac-Man is excluding his ugly cartoon makeover a year or so ago. The games they've released recently are actually really good, like Championship Edition or like. Uh, That's the trippy one, right? Yeah, they do. They're doing a lot of those now, so I'm actually kind of interested in kind this like collection. On that Space Invaders. Something yeah, it's like Space Invaders. Uh, Extreme. Yeah, on DS, I have that actually. I got it for five bucks. It's really good for five bucks. Space Invaders. It's like Space Invaders Extreme. It's like uh, all the sort of retro revivals where they go like super crazy with like the colors and the neon and the techno. And the and the pudding pops and the I don't know, it's sorry like I started going to the Bill Cosby thing but um no I Namco Museum I might actually pick up like I I wouldn't mind having Championship Edition on the 3DS or the Wii U it looked gorgeous in HD on the Wii U actually like that game I think it was on Xbox Live when it first came out so I could see that making the jump very easily but um yeah so that's Pac Man Museum for a while but having well I mean the oldies yeah. Pac Man so it's kind of nice having all this variety. Mm-hmm. Cause I, yeah, I it'd be what. so awesome if they put Pac-Man World 2 in there. I would die. I love that game. The game's not that amazing. It's just a standard platform, but I was obsessed with it as a kid. So, and you Namco Bandai, do you hear me? And a 22... What? And you will be again at the 23-year-old. 24-year-old. 24 now. I'm growing up. Old man Jenkins. Oh, yeah, not really. But, um... Yeah, no, I'd be... I'd, they'd better put Pac-Man World 2 in. I don't know why they would. It doesn't really fit the theme. I mean, it is Pac-Man, but it's not Pac-Man Pac-Man, so... Yeah, and since we're mentioning eShop, I guess uh, now's a good time to cover. We didn't get a chance to do this in our last episode, but Nintendo did show a sizzle reel of Wii U eShop games during the Nintendo Direct. You can watch the sizzle reel on our site. This The blog post for this episode, once again, that's episode 46, hands-on with E3 2013. Uh, halfway down the news links, we have a link to the sizzle reel. Definitely check it out. There's a bunch of games we've talked about before. Cloudberry Kingdom um, being one of them that comes to mind, and... They also showed some new games in there, which are which we didn't get a chance to talk about, but I think are worth mentioning. So, uh, first of all, it was a good reel. Like, there's a lot of interesting, cool stuff coming to the system. And it's really impressive that it seems Nintendo... It's all happening because Nintendo's dev tools are such a success. The Nintendo web, web framework, if you don't uh, recall what that is, that is how they, you can convert HTML5 apps and, like, basic Java into Wii U games. And so far, apparently a thousand different companies and developers have contacted Nintendo over a thousand have contacted Nintendo about bringing their products to the Wii U using that free software. And same with the Unity engine. It's getting a lot of hype, too. So it's cool that these sorts of games that we're about to run through are possible because of that, and I'm looking forward to a whole bunch of cool new indie stuff going forward. So first up is uh, Ballpoint Adventure. This was originally on PC and Mac, and it's a side-scrolling shooter that actually kind of has a cool look. As its name implies, it looks like a ballpoint pen drawing. Everything animates as if it's like on, you know, ballpoint on a piece of paper. And that's because everything was drawn with a pen on a piece of paper. It's all hand-drawn. And they inserted it in the game. 
then it looks, it looks really slick. Really, really different. Yeah, it has a very unique feel, and the game itself. I mean, it's just a, the it the visuals are what matter. The game is just a pretty normal by the books. Uh, Side-scrolling sure you can add up to four weapons to your ship to customize it for each level. There's, you know, uh, weapon upgrades, that sort of thing. We don't know a price or a date, but it is coming to Levy Shop, and it does look crazy visually. So that's game number one. Yeah. I'm hoping it has some more unique hooks in gameplay because... Yeah, because, uh, I mean, visuals can only push it so far. Right. I mean, even if it's just a good side-scrolling well, I mean, shooter, maybe I'd sure, do it. I mean, if it's really solid, I mean... Just yeah, if it's just well done, then why not? But I mean, I'm, I'm wondering if it has a little more oomph to it than just that, you know? I mean, Nintendo kind of gets away with that with the new Super Mario Brothers series. Yeah. Just really good platform. Yeah, it's just straight Without up. changing. It's, it's the That's opposite. a very good point, it, it's, it's actually. It's the opposite. It really is the opposite. Yeah. Really yeah. good platform with a whatever art style. Yeah. Yeah. This is just a really good art, art style. Art style with possibly whatever gameplay. Well, we don't know. I don't want to judge it too soon. Oh, I'm well, just, that's I'm that's just saying, based on what we know, it seems a little on the simple side. Uh, but once again, I don't want to judge it too much. One, uh, one announcement that came out of nowhere, and it's definitely not just like a rudimentary... By the books game is uh, the return of Oddworld. The PlayStation 1's Oddworld uh, Abe's Odyssey is now coming to Wii U as an eShop title, as a remake called Oddworld Abe's Odyssey New and Tasty. This was actually announced at Sony's press conference for the PS4. And then out of nowhere, it popped up in Nintendo Sizzle Reel. So that's kind of cool. The and game when is... I saw that, I'm like, oh, this is a game I would want to play. Yeah, well, Oddworld was a cool game. And then it came out on the Nintendo Sizzle Reel, and I'm like, oh, it's coming to Wii U. Even... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, Oddworld was a fun game. It was obviously, you know, it was a 2D platformer, pretty by the books in that regard. But he had the ability to, like, use enemies' powers to do things, so that had kind of a unique twist for a time. And they're remaking it in HD. They're tweaking the levels. They're redoing the puzzles a bit. It's going to be a pretty full-fledged remake, um... And it's a download, so and it's in HD, so I imagine it's gonna be a pretty cheap, you know, pretty cheap way to experience the game again. It's not coming out till sometime in early 2014, it sounds like. But uh, Oddworld, uh, Oddworld Inhabit- inhabitants who developed the original game is on board, and they're working with Just Add Water, another developer, to make the remake. The two of them are also making a HD remake of a different Oddworld game. That's uh, odd. Well, not really. Indeed, Stranger's Wrath. Which, this is nothing like Abe, like uh, Abe's Odyssey. Stranger's Wrath came out on Xbox, I want to say in like 2005. Xbox One. As in, original. The first Xbox. The first Xbox in like 2005. And it was an interesting hybrid, from what I remember. It was like a behind, it was like a 3D platformer, so you know, behind the back, third person. But then whenever there was combat, it went into first person shooter mode. It was almost like Banjo-Kazooie. Like Richard like, M- Kind of? Sort of. Well, that did, but like, it, it's more like, remember in Banjo-Kazooie... How, like, you could shoot Kazooie's eggs out of... In third person? I mean, a first person? Yeah, it's like that, but all the combat's like that, if I remember correctly. Huh. I know it's a mix of third person and first person. I think that's how it worked. But it's totally different from uh, the other... From Abe's Odyssey. So it's interesting that that one's also getting an HD remake and is also coming to the Wii U from the same pairing of Just Dead Water and uh, Oddworld Inhabitants. So I imagine that's a little further out in 2014. Abe's... Uh, Abe's Odyssey is definitely the first one since it's the first game. Did it ever? Did that franchise ever have a Game Boy Advance game or something? Yeah, this is actually so the I've first time. Seen them in Nintendo Power. Yep, this is the first time since Game Boy Advance, or as they stupidly, unintentionally put in the press release, Game Boy Advance, duh, past tense. Oh. But um, yeah, no, this is the first time since Game Boy Advance that Odyssey as a Odyssey, not sorry, Oddworld as a series is coming to Nintendo platforms since Game Boy Advance. It was on Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance previously. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I mean it's cool that to bring it back. I don't know what suddenly led to this like resurrection of Oddworld, but 
I mean, the games always had a quirky sense of humor. They were they were kind of a system seller at one point. Like, they were a big deal at one point. So it's cool that they're trying to bring them back, at least for the nostalgia, if nothing else. Yeah. I'm definitely curious to see how the um, remakes shape up. Yeah, because, I mean, I never got to play them first time around. So. Yeah, I played it at... I, play, I played Abe's Aussie at Friends I mean, House. the main character, it's like one of those things where you just look at him like, whoa, what is this? Yeah, he's like, like this bulbous-headed thing. thing that has yeah. kind of a stitched-up mouth. Yeah, I played uh, the original... Not the most appealing-looking character. No, though, but that's part, of its, but that's part of its humor. Like, it was all, like, kind of odd and not grotesque, but kind of Tim Burton-y in terms of just, like, yeah. out there. Like, it makes sense in its own universe, but it makes no sense yeah, to it's us. Yeah, like, it's like where it took place was an odd world of some sort. Indeed. It's like... An odd world, and the inhabitants of the world made the game. Odd world inhabitants. I'm not saying the people look odd, but I just was trying to do that pun. It didn't work. Mm. The last unveil, switching gears completely, but equally weird in a totally different way, is a game called Squ- uh, Scram Kitty and His Buddy on Rails. Now, Scram Kitty and His Buddy on Rails has been announced for quite a while for the Wii Wii Shop. We never covered it because we knew nothing about it. No gameplay details, no footage, no screenshots, just like a couple pieces of art. But it's intriguing because it comes from um, Daco Daco. I think that's how you say their name. They pr- they're a pretty prolific developer of indie games on the Vita and the, the PlayStation Vita and the PlayStation Portable. And they were founded by a guy who used to work at Q Games, maker of Star Fox Command, uh, Xscape for DSiWare, the Pixel Junk series on PSN. Like, they're, they're a well-known they're developer. good games. Exactly. So, Daco Daco, or however you say your name, are now making their first Nintendo platform tile, which, once again, is Scram Kitty and his buddy on Rails. And Nintendo showed the first footage in their reel, and, and you know, and then uh, it was playable at E3 at their booth. And, essentially, the game is a 2D shooter viewed from a top-down perspective, and you can move 360 degrees. What it really looks like is if you take a platformer, and you can jump on the walls and the ceiling however which way you want. Like, it's like a platformer floating through space, it's sort of. Like, the, the levels kind of look like platforming levels, like there's, you know, things you go up to, and there's pathways and whatnot, but you're jumping every which way. Oh, so that's like so, but it's top-down, so you only see the head of the character, and they're shooting as they go. And presumably you can only jump on parts that have rails, considering it's on, on rails. rails. But uh, I imagine most of, from the footage, it looked like most of the levels were actually lined with rails completely. So, definitely kind of unique twist on, like, platforming and top-down shooting, because it's a weird hybrid of the two. And it looks pretty good. The dra- I don't know if the graphics are hand-drawn necessarily, but they kind of look it. And, I mean, I say check out the trailer. Go to our site, the blog post once again. It, it looks cool. It looks unique. It looks different. It looks like just the type of thing that would like be right at home on Nintendo download service, you know? Yeah. So, we don't know the release date, though, and we don't know the price. So, who knows when it's coming out. But, keep an eye on it. I mean, it took them so long to release gameplay. <laughs> Could be another, like, year before it comes out, but it looks interesting. It's good to know that good things are coming. More good things are coming, so. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's some, I think that is a good, like, summary of E3 itself. Good things are coming. There are good games. If you're a Nintendo fan, there are, sure, it's a little by the books and a little playing it safe, but there are a lot of good games coming. So, I mean, with all these, you know, with all these games that Nintendo has coming, mainly their first-party stuff, the eShop stuff, the third-party stuff, how can Nintendo, like, harness that to actually boost sales? Yeah. It's funny, because I remember, I was watching, I don't know about IGN, but someone uh-huh. pointed out that, like, every Mario Kart is someone's first Mario Kart. Yep. So Nintendo made like, that point in an interview. I believe it was one of their VPs of marketing. I mean, talk- every game is at someone's first Yeah, game, I think so. they're talking to CNET. I don't remember, and I don't think, unfortunately, we'll have a link to this on our blog post. Normally, we link every story, but it's just off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was saying that, like, the great thing about Mario Kart is it's now generational. It has spanned multiple generations. The people that grew up with it on Super Nintendo and N64, now they have it on, uh, you know, now they have their kids playing it. The kids playing it, they're playing it for the first time. Like, everyone that has ever played a Mario Kart 
will now go pick up Mario Kart 8. They've, like, doubled the audience, potentially. Because they have yeah. the kids playing for the first time or second time. They have the adults who are, like, coming back for the nostalgia or just follow the series. They've, yeah, they have so a whole new fan like, base. Same thing with Pokemon. Like, oh, it changes a little every year. But, yeah. But without a doubt, the last one that came out is definitely the best version of all of them. Yeah. So. Yeah, Pokemon and Mario Kart are both... I think the term that the Nintendo exec used were power franchises or, like, powerhouse franchises. They're both, like... They, they're they so generational. Mario does this, too, to some extent. But they're so generational that, like, they can appeal to totally different demographics. While before, they were only one demographic that has since grown up and now yeah. is a second demographic. And they only get better. Yeah. And, I, and Nintendo's using all this, hopefully, to... Like, their goal is to use all this to boost sales of the Wii U. I mean, um, speaking of the Wall Street... Kind of, this kind of a weird transition, but... Iwata spoke about this with the Wall Street Journal, like the idea of having their core franchises, these powerhouse brands, to really, you know, really push the Wii U. And he was telling the Wall Street Journal that, um, you know, the plan with the Wii U and what they and is software drives hardware. This was the talking point of E3 for Nintendo. If you read any interview with any executive and you say how you fix the Wii U, they go software drives hardware. We bring the games, people buy the system. It's you know, it's a very obvious strategy. It's one that pretty much everyone always assumes is how it works. But Nintendo's now outright saying, yep, this is what we're doing. It's kind of candid. Normally they, like, spin it in some way where it doesn't make them look as bad. But they're basically saying, well, now we're bringing the games. We didn't before, but now we are. And, um, you know, uh, Reggie specifically first mentioned this last episode, in episode 45. We said he was talking about Jeff, to Jeff Keighley about this in a game trailer's televised interview. And he literally said, yeah, software brings the people. So what they're hoping, and what I was saying to the Wall Street Journal, is that um, Nintendo's focusing on these core established franchises. Mario, Mario Kart, Donkey Kong, Smash Bros, Pikmin, etc. Because um, that's what can move units. And once the units are moved, that can drive the install base. Once they have that install that way they base... they don't have to make too many games. Yeah, and once they have that install base, they can easily... Third parties will come back. Because, oh look, there's suddenly people that will buy our stuff. And they can proceed forward. And start making more original content and whatnot. I mean, he, I always said that really only you only need one game to actually drive a system in terms of sales. And he gave the example of uh, to the Wall Street Journal. He gave the example of Animal Crossing in Japan. It basically became the system to sell 3DS games, and here in the U.S., it's already doing super well. It's been out for it'll be a week when this episode goes gets posted on the site. Two hundred thousand copies in that week, over two hundred thousand copies. It's broken eShop download records. It's resulted in a fourfold increase in weekly 3DS sales. Like it's doing well. It no. can be a system seller. So he's, I, I mean, how, yeah. Freaking, um, Fire Emblem sold really well. Mm-hmm. Like, like one of those friends Although Fire that, Emblem was interesting because it was kind of niche. Fire Emblem yeah, sold 200,000 in a month. This sold 200,000 in a week. So. I know that's because yeah. I, mean, I feel this one's even more niche. No, this one's bigger, dude. Animal Crossing was trending on Twitter, world or North American Twitter, like U.S. Twitter trending topics. Oh, the morning well, on Sunday morning, like the morning it came out, it was trending. It was like number three in the well, country. I mean, well, I mean, whether it is or not, I mean, yeah. this, this is how I feel about the game. Oh, yeah, I yeah. mean, because to me, like Fire Emblem, okay, it's a real chance strategy game. The, I mean, that's I mean, more I mean, niche. You get it. I Generally mean, speaking, that's more. But niche. I mean, like Animal Crossing, like, like I, I don't even know how to explain it to some people. Sometimes like it's a simulator, but yeah. you're kind of your friends are animals, and you. Do yeah, you want, yeah. That's probably why, because it's so freeform. It's like The Sims, which is one of the best-selling PC games of all time. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I want to admit to Wall Street Journal that it is getting it is getting harder, and the hurdle is quote getting higher for Nintendo to be able to go. Here's a system seller. Go. Like they don't have an, a the Nintendo's didn't do it for the 3DS. Brain Age didn't do it for the 3DS. You know, con- uh, concentration training. Like it is getting a little more difficult. But if they can keep doing it, that's the strategy they're hoping to do. And uh, Miyamoto pretty much agreed with the idea of software drives hardware. 
and whatnot when he was speaking with uh, CVG, ComputerVideoGames.com. He was uh, saying that really it's those top tier games that can act as a Trojan horse. And once that those games get a Wii U in someone's home, not only will that mean they own the system and will be buying more games, but it's also a way to really show them why the Wii U is great. Someone may buy it for Mario Kart and then discover the gamepad and how it can interact with your TV and how it can change the dynamic of who's watching TV versus who's uh, you know, playing a game with off-TV play or whatever. So he, he really views it as like a way to not only push the system, but kind of alleviate the confusion about how it works. Because people that will buy it for Mario Kart will then go, oh, this is how this works, I'm going to tell my friends. And it will kind of spread that way. So it's an interesting, you know, it's, it, it's an interesting, not a deep strategy by any means, but it's an interesting thing that Nintendo's actually coming out saying, this is what we have to do now, opposed They're to just having done it. This... Yeah, they should have done it six months ago. Yeah. And they were going to. I mean, Miyamoto himself said to CBG, he takes partial responsibility for the fact that the Wii U has not... I mean, that was their plan from the beginning, yeah. wasn't it? it was, just, but it, was, it just wasn't it, this big. It was Pikmin, it was Wonderful 101, it was Game & Wario, it was maybe Wii Fit. But there wasn't, like... They didn't have Mario, Mario Kart, Smash Bros. all back-to-back like this. Like, this is, they clearly kicked it up a notch because of what's going on. I mean, you know, if you look at that lineup, it really is Nintendo sticking to that plan, like... All of this year's Wii U games are those major franchises. I don't think they have any... Yeah, they're going to do all the major ones like this year. And then starting maybe halfway in 2014 is when they start... Once the base is there, assuming their plan works, then they go, Oh, now I can release, release original or more niche titles. So then you get Bayonetta 2. Then you get Mollusk Soft's X. Then you even get like kind of niche stuff like Fire Emblem Cross, Shin Megami Tensei. Granted, they're both big franchises within their, within their genres, but they're not like powerhouses like Mario Kart would be, as that exec was saying. So... It's a, it's a it's a very clear cut clear cut strategy that that's what they're doing, and hopefully it actually can quiet those third party fears about the Wii U, because I mean they're really ramping up. They're it's starting to get a little problematic. Multiple companies are giving interviews at E3 saying things. And case in point, we lost some games during E3 that were originally either coming to Wii U or Wii U exclusive. Yeah, uh, Addy yeah, Three uh, Deus Ex Human Revolution Director's Cut, which was a Wii U exclusive that's supposed to launch in May, in uh, May and then got delayed, is now coming to PS3 and 360 as well with all the director cut content. They're gonna mimic what they were gonna do on the gamepad screen using Vita Remote Play on the PS3 and using Smart Glass on the Xbox 360, which actually poses an even bigger threat down the road. How well can the gamepad be mimicked on those services, and if so, is that a problem? For Nintendo in the future, or is it a benefit because now people can easily port to Wii U? It could go either way, but mm-hmm. it's, it's just something to know. And similarly, uh, NBA 2K14 was also is also skipping Wii U altogether. And it's you know they had the 2013 version at launch, and they did a pretty good job. They had some cool game gamepad uses. We played the demo. I don't know if we ever talked about it on the show, but no, we, like they did some neat biometric stuff like look at the energy level of your player with this like filter on your gamepad that you hold up to the TV like it's kind of gimmicky but kind of cool but they're skipping uh, Wii U this year because and here's the quote they didn't want to take resources away from building on the other platforms mm-hmm. in other words it's just like it's not worth our time and that idea of not being worth the time because there's not an install base the install base Nintendo's now trying to build you know that's even affecting their longtime supporters. Ubisoft has come out and said in E3 interviews that they won't be making exclusives for the Wii U until there's a bigger install base. Uh, specifically, their present the the head of Ubisoft, like the CEO, uh, Yves Guillemot, I think as I say it with a fake French accent, said that uh, he told Kotaku that we want more sold. This is a direct quote: "We want more sold. They're coming with five of their biggest brands ever, and the yen went down." 
So maybe they can take steps that will increase the number of consoles sold. I mean, maybe that means he wants a price cut, but he's basically saying they're not doing exclusives until they get those those hardware numbers. There's no up. Their hardware numbers up and their install base up. There's no point in Ubisoft making games for Wii U exclusively if there's no one to buy them. Hmm. And this is an intense problem. That's why so many third parties are jumping ship. I mean, granted, Ubisoft's an exception. Uh, their VP of sales and marketing, Tony Key, he's in their U.S. branch. He was saying that Nintendo, like, obviously they're not abandoning Nintendo. They have a very good relationship. And they're going to continue putting out multi-platform stuff. As he put it, they're, uh, they continue to believe that the Wii U uh, will find its audience. They're confident that the Wii U is a good place for them to do business. And they can make money there. That's why we're seeing so many multi-platform ports. You know, you got, we just talked about Just Dance 2014. You have Assassin's Creed 4. You have Watch Dogs. You have... Uh, Splinter Cell Blacklist with the DLC, or not the DLC, with the uh, Collector's Edition. Apparently it's coming to Wii U now, too. So they're, you know, Ubisoft's putting its best foot forward with their multi-platform, but we're not going to see any exclusives until Nintendo gets that install based up, which is what hopefully this E3 is going to start allowing them to do. Similarly, EA has said that that's the same reason they're not supporting the Wii U. During an E3 interview that they did, um, their EA label president, Frank, I think, Gibu, is that Gibu, Gibu, their EA Gibbo. There we go. Uh, he was saying that, you know, it's just business, and they're not going to support the Wii U if nothing's there. Uh, he, he very bluntly put, look, the only thing they can do to fix it is to sell more boxes. We're a rational company. We go where the audience is. We publish games where we think we can make a great game and hit a big audience and make money. If it becomes a viable platform from an audience standpoint, we'll jump back in. I mean, we it makes sense. Yeah, it's, we, we can't blame it, especially, it, in, and especially in a world where AAA titles are now like rivaling the budget for them are rivaling some like films. Yeah. Oh yeah, you can't really take that many risks. And, no, not at I all. I mean, that's why we're getting the same franchises over and over again? Yeah, and I mean, he pointed out a good point that uh, yeah, I mean that's exactly the issue. And e, yeah. the the EA label president pointed out that EA did try to support the Wii U. They did have those games, and they even did uh, <laughs> trying quotes. Well, no, yeah. he cited Need for Speed as a good example. Oh, it was an enhanced true. port. Yeah. It got yeah. good Metacritic scores. But it didn't sell well, and that's simply because, as he put, there's no boxes, meaning there's no hardware in people's homes buying it. So, I mean, that's why we're seeing... So, like, by their logic, I mean, this is hypothetical. Like, if every single person that bought a Wii U also bought New for Speed, would they still have, like... That's three and a half million copies. That's pretty decent. Pretty decent? But that's worldwide. Three and a half million as of the end of March. I don't know what the current number's at. We'll probably find that out at the end of this month. But, yeah, that's like five million people that bought Need for Speed, maybe. That's a good number, even on any system, regardless of install base. Wasn't someone calling five million a failure though? Yeah, Square Enix. They wanted like fifteen million for Tomb Raider or something, wow. or ten million or well, something crazy. Well, Square Enix, yeah, Square Enix is crazy about that. But um, but no, I mean all this stuff. Like Reggie has said in interviews that yeah, he understands where developers are coming from. You know, publishers are coming from with this situation. I mean, we're seeing weird things happen as a result. Like FIFA's coming to the Wii, but not the Wii U, That's, which is odd. That, that Granted, seems, that, that almost seems like a. Like a teaser, like, yeah, this is how much we don't... Well, I mean, two things about FIFA. I mean, one... But, but they have the reasons. Yeah. One, in Europe, FIFA 2012 was literally 2011 with different box art and a different title screen. It's the same game. Completely. Wow. And two, uh, yeah, this just really solidifies EA's point that, and even to a lesser extent Ubisoft's point, they want more hardware in people's homes. They want an That's install true, the base. Wii the Wii has 98 million people. The yeah. Wii U has 5 million tops right now. So it makes sense why they're doing this, but um, you know this is a, this is exactly what Nintendo needs to address, and I think they probably are. I mean, uh, I don't know. It's just like they, this. Hopefully, these games are enough, but it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see if they really are. Nintendo's certainly confident about it. 
and I, there's no doubt about that. They, they are, it is a pretty stellar first party lineup in terms of names, but they were saying, um, they may even, like, help stave off the PS4 and Xbox One launch, which seems a little crazy to me. Hmm. I, I, basically, uh, speaking with GameSpot and Nintendo America's senior communications director, a guy named Charlie, uh, Sabetta, he, uh, said that at the end of the day, what matters is software. People will buy the thing they want based on the software, which is true. And a similar point to Iwata and Miyamoto were saying earlier, you know, the software will drive the hardware, will drive the, drive the install base. But, I mean, Nintendo, Nintendo thinks that it's got to compile enough software to get people to, you know, buy their system over a brand new Xbox One or a brand new PS4. And they could be right. People do go where the games are. You're buying a system for what games it can play. At least that's the old school thinking before Xbox One became a multimedia box. Like for PS4, you're buying it for the games. For Wii, you're buying it for games. And I'm sure this is true to some degree. But is Nintendo going to match the crazy multi, multi, multi million dollar marketing blitzes that PS4 and Xbox One are about to have? Mm-hmm. Like going into the holidays, are we gonna, we're going to see so much PS4 and Xbox One. Are we going to see anywhere near the amount of marketing just for Mario Kart and Mario 3D World and Donkey Kong? It just seems like it seems like yeah, in terms right, people will buy hardware, but you need to raise the awareness. I mean, we'll buy the game, the hardware based on the I game. I don't know when Mario Kart is coming out. You need to yeah. raise the awareness of it. I mean, they're already starring well. They had the Best Buy events. They have the Wii U Summer Tour. Oh, that's true. I just remember, like when we were at the event, there were so many people asking, like, "What are you guys doing in line? What are you guys doing in line?" Yeah, I found it. Yeah, because it, it looked like a spectacle. It was a yeah. spectacle. The line went around the building. It cut off half the store. It was just like sneaking through the store. Like, if Nintendo does more like that, they could potentially raise the awareness. But even then, how does that compare to Microsoft's literally billion-dollar ad campaigns? Like, yeah, games drive hardware, but I wonder if it's enough in this case. I don't really have an answer. I'm just thinking. Yeah. I'm just thinking out loud based on what they were saying in interviews. Marketing but, is, this is important. Yeah, but it's definitely nice to see that Nintendo... I mean, they've been saying, you know, Iwata always says in their press event in their uh, investor meetings oh we, we're gonna have games and then once there's games the hardware will sell but it's really nice to see nintendo have this very unified simple message at e3 of software equals hardware sales equals install base equals third party done like it's super simple it's obviously that's how you do it but it's nice that nintendo is very aware of it very very acutely aware of it um there's an equally big topic though that's been haunting nintendo besides the wii u itself and that's its financials um Obviously, they haven't been as good as during the Wii days. I mean, clearly, the Wii is not doing well. And a lot of people were asking Nintendo executives about, you know, what what's the what's this mean? Should you make games for other devices? That sort of thing. And Shigeru Miyamoto touched on some of these points in an interview with uh, Games Industry International during E3. And I thought some of the stuff he was saying was kind of interesting and, and it was worth sharing. Um, on the topic of the earnings, Nintendo's weak earnings, Miyamoto actually felt that everyone's knee-jerk reactions were, quote, silly. Which, he actually raises a good point that most people probably don't think of, but also he's taking it from a developer perspective, not a financial advisor perspective. But he was saying that, you know, and clearly there is some PR spin in this, I should probably say that too. But he was basically saying that um, entertainment industry is volatile no matter what. People can just stop playing something and walk away from it, or stop watching something and walk away from it, and you're done. I mean, as he put it, if people decide that they no longer need entertainment, then there's no way to make money off it. That's it, it's gone. So because of that, it's always, you know, it's always risky to be in entertainment. So if Nintendo's taking risks at all times, then obviously some will pay off more than others, is presumably what his point was. But he did uh, specifically say that, there, you know, in his decades in the industry, he's seen the peaks and the valleys. He's seen the waves of success and the lesser successful parts. And to him, at the end, the number game doesn't matter. Like, he doesn't want to hit a specific goal or necessarily have X amount of money, which kind of contradicts with... Uh, 
with Iwata saying we want $100 billion yen. He wants to put as many smiles in people's faces. Exactly, yeah. He was saying that the quality of the product is what he cares about. And that's ultimately what matters. Because if the product stays high through the ups and the downs, you know, if the product quality is high through the downs, it'll be high at the ups. Like, having a consistent quality product, it will top it. You could sing the praises of almost any Nintendo game. Yeah. I mean, obviously, from a financial perspective, that's kind of a dumb statement. Like, if it's not selling, it doesn't matter how good it is. But, you know, if you look at Nemo's role as a developer, it makes sense. And it's nice to hear that he's constantly, no matter Nintendo's woes or successes, he's constantly trying to make the best game possible. I mean, that's literally what he said. As he put it to Games Industry International, he's really focused on creating the most fun and unique experience... Experiences I can, so the entertainment can appeal to a very broad audience, and we have fun doing that. And really, if you're a developer, that's all there is to it. Like, let the fine, you know, let the people that know how to run the company run the company. It's true, if you're just to make the games, might as well make the best game mm-hmm. you can possibly make. So, yeah, and don't cut quarters and do what it takes to make a good product, and then there'll be reward for it when things are looking better. Like when the Wii had good games, they had, you know, when the Wii was selling well, it was because of all those high quality games. People knew what to expect. Even when GameCube was at its weakest point, people knew. Well, Zelda Wind Waker's still good. Well, Metroid Prime's still good, so they knew. If they buy a Wii, they'll get good games. So it's all about keeping that reputation, I'd say. But uh, he also gave an interesting perspective on why Nintendo wouldn't develop for other platforms, which there's been so many calls from people to, like, oh, make iOS games, make Android games, make your own Android phone, like, or make for, you know, go Sega. Like, do, like, PS4 and Xbox One games, that sort of thing. And he raised some points I never even thought of that kind of yeah, interesting. Yeah, a lot of these things I'm like, whoa, dude. Yeah, it's a very valid you point. You never think about it until... Until Miyamo says yeah. it, because Miyamo's... No, so he's talking about when they when they say you could only play this on the Wii U. They, they literally they, 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 mean they, don't, they don't just mean they don't mean marketing wise. Yeah, they don't just mean like, oh because it's all, it's like a console exclusive. Like, yeah, it won't work anywhere else. Yeah, I mean from they, the first yeah exactly. Yeah. And he made two points that match basically what you're saying. The first being that Nintendo's marriage, you know, of that software and that hardware allows for experiences that they want to create. They can say we want this feature on the hardware, and because they make the hardware, they can make that feature for the hardware. Like, if they wanted a, you know, they wanted to use touchscreens, they made the DS. They wanted motion control, they made the U. Or, not the U, the Wii. You know, that sort of thing. And if Nintendo developed for other platforms, it's adapting their ideas to fit the limitations of those platforms. Now they're turning everything else into limitations. It's kind yeah. of funny how, like, to other third-party de- third party developers, they're seeing the Wii as, like, oh, we're being limited. In terms of, yeah. But to them, it's like, oh. It's just a different perspective, because Nintendo's saying graphics don't matter, we're limited in gameplay experience, while other companies are always like, well, graphics power, we're limited in graphical ability. So yeah, it's a weird flip-flop, completely. But it's an interesting point that Miyamoto raised, and it really, you know, it fits Nintendo's corporate culture. Nintendo would not necessarily do well if they had to make, like, super good HD games on, like, a PS4. Like, it would be harder for them. And secondly, and this is the point that I actually think is the most interesting of what Miyamoto said, uh, by developing its own platforms, by developing games for its own platforms only, Nintendo actually can use its resources to create a better game instead of having to deal with multi-platform releases. Because how it wa- works is That's true, and we always hear us complaining about like, oh, the Xbox version versus the yeah. PC. Oh, the PC version is really buggy. Exactly. Because yeah, I mean, Mo point out that there's always like a lead console exclusive DLC. Yeah, yeah, and there's always a lead platform where they're developing the main game, and then they have another team or group that's working. This is his quote. And then they, um, they'll have another team or group that's working on another version of or a different type of gameplay within the same franchise on different platforms. In other words, they're farming it out to multiple people. And that could potentially hurt quality because you may go, oh, yeah, the lead platform's Xbox. I want it on Xbox, but what if I only own a PS4? Like if you buy a Nintendo system, you're getting Nintendo games on that system at the top quality made for that hardware. Yeah. So it's an interesting point. And he went on to I say mean, that... exclusive on any console are always like the best games for that yeah. console. Like. 
Yeah, exactly. And he was able to say that because they're able to focus on one tile, they could pour resources into making that tile better instead of having a stretch of thing. I mean, when 2K Sports used the example, we we're talking about NBA 2K14, and like, we don't want to, you know, we want to focus on these other platforms. Well, if you have your own platform and you're Nintendo, you don't have to have that. You can pour everything into one platform and have the best possible product. So, I mean, to me, it's, it's definitely interesting arguments for Miyamoto. I mean, obviously, Nintendo could always invest in bigger teams to do multi-platform if that was their choice. But even then, Nintendo has this very careful way they hire people. It'd be a risk in a huge risk in uh, the quality of the product if they did mass hirings. I mean, Mimo said in that same interview that the reason that Nintendo's DS to 3DS transition, that big power jump from DS to 3DS, resulted in you know a lack of games at first, or obviously Wii to Wii U right now had that problem just now, you know, in the last few months. It's because Nintendo's pretty stringent with their hiring. They hire people and then they like train they not just train them but they like kind of nurture them into being the type of developer that makes the best type of game in nintendo's mind you can't do that if you're like we're gonna go hire a team from shanghai to make this port of this game like you, you there's no way to train them in the same way yeah so it, it's definitely a good point for a mmo that you never really think about as you said so um i mean it never really occurred to me i kind of just yeah yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a developer perspective, because we always talk about it on the show, and like always in the press, it's always like money, 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 and obviously money de- drives what can be done by developers. But it's nice to hear a developer chime in on why he feels Nintendo should stay how it is. And granted, he has a vested interest, because he's Miyamoto. But, <laughs> but you know. Now, uh, one final topic of note uh, in that we should definitely touch on, this is more of an industry-wide topic, is uh, used games. Until now, you know, used games were kind of, like, accepted by everyone. The industry is whatever about it. Everyone's whatever about it. EA and a few others dabbled yeah, in online passes. You're done with the game. Yeah. yeah. They dabbled in online passes, a couple companies, but, you know, they fell through and it didn't work and they stopped. Then Xbox One came along, and as we discussed in uh, a few episodes ago where we talked about that, DRM for used games and all sorts of stuff made this quite a controversial thing, used games. And then Sony at E3 came out and said that they're treating the PS4 just like the PS3 in terms of how used games work, which led to literally 20 seconds of nonstop cheering, which was kind of amazing yeah. to watch. But, um, you know, and that it's it's really you, your physical media is yours, is what they're arguing. And now, of course, because this is a new debate, uh, people are asking Nintendo what they think. Specifically, Polygon asked Reggie and got, <coughs> excuse me, and they actually got an interesting, kind of boastful and kind of new angle on the argument, courtesy of Reggie. Um, in a nutshell, Reggie basically said that if you make good enough games, you know, the used game thing shouldn't be a concern to you. If you can make a game that has good replayability, and it will keep people from giving it back to the store, or selling it back to the store, I mean, then they're not going to sell it to the store. Look at Smash Bros. I played it today. Yeah. Nintendo has a whole... Five years later, we're still playing it. Exactly. Nintendo, that's one of their evergreen tiles. I don't know if you remember, we talked about that in the past, but evergreen tiles, for those that may not know it at home, evergreen tiles is... uh, are these ideas of Mario Kart, Brain Age, all these games that Nintendogs, the original, all these games that Nintendo could keep selling for years and revive with new marketing, Mario, uh, New Super Mario Brothers, just because they're pretty, like, timeless. Yeah. Like, it's not like an annual game. It's not, you know, a super generic game. They could just keep reminding people, hey, check this out, and as more people buy into the, the ecosystem, they'll start getting the games. I mean, like, on average, just an example, like, I've played, every of all the games I've ever owned, mm-hmm. I've played, I'd say... 80% of them at least three times. I mean, some of them, yeah. like, like Rhythm Heaven, I literally played, like, maybe tw- like more than 20 times. Right, in right. A different way, but, yeah. And the fact that Nintendo has all those evergreen tiles, I mean, you exemplify it better than anyone, I'd say, because you replay a lot of your stuff, like you just said. Um, 
But what was I going to say? Yeah, the cost of that, they see fewer trade-ins. Uh, Reggie told Polygon that they have a much lower trade-in average than the industry. And they went on to say, and it's a quote, much, much less. So the Nintendo's perspective is it's not really... I do see a lot of like, I mean, I think that then he also mentioned like, oh, we don't have a yearly installment so people yeah. like don't give them up as you said. So you see right. a lot of like Call of Duties, a lot yeah, of... Yeah, there's a lot of Call of Duties, yeah. Especially like all the sports games. Yeah, like, he very so subtly said that. He was like, we, uh, you know, games that are annualized and maybe undifferentiated, the, that's a quote, are the ones that, you know are going to be traded in a lot. But if you make games that last a while and have good replayability and you keep supporting them, like New Super uh, Luigi U DLC for New Super Mario Bros. U, that'll keep people from selling the game back. And then if someone wants to go buy it, they have to buy the new one and Nintendo gets the extra money. Didn't you mention that, like, I mean, with... I mean, going back like, to Call of Duty or any of the sports games, like, you could theoretically just be a year behind and just yeah. pay, like, a way less price. Or even two years behind if you don't really care about yeah, the Yeah, I, I mean, we know people... Like, there's people we went to college with who, like, would play Madden 09 in 2011. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just like you know, there's no need, and and they trade it back when they get the next one, and Nintendo doesn't face quite that same issue. He actually made an interesting point that uh, when talking, it's here's the quote: "It seems to me that every major publisher has come and said we don't mind use games." So he's not even sure where my, Microsoft's coming from with this new policy. Like his discussions, it sounds like with third parties like EA and whatnot, have this has never been an issue. So I don't know why Microsoft suddenly turned it into an issue. I mean, because of all this, you know, because of all these perks that Nintendo has with their evergreen titles and replayability, they aren't planning at all to do anything about used games. They're just going to leave it as is. Uh, Miyamoto, in one interview, I think it was with Eurogamer, uh, compared it to almost like owning a toy. It's something you play with and interact with, and it's physically yours to do what you want with. That's how a game should be treated when you have a physical disc. Download's obviously different. Download's obviously a little different because it's the licensing agreements when you agree to download say it's not truly yours and then there's other issues like uh well if the system breaks it's not a physical thing to begin with but yeah regardless um Mimo actually told cvg we talked about their interview earlier that uh nintendo's much more concerned about piracy than used games used games are like a, not even a blip on the, what Oh, yeah, I do see a lot of more... Yeah, yeah, 3, 3DS was apparently cracked recently. If you look at the PS3, remember, the $200 Super Nintendo. Yep, yep. <laughs> but yeah, Nintendo's very concerned about piracy. That's why the DS had its downfall when it did in Europe, in terms of sales. Because oh, yeah. piracy was rampant. People would buy 30 in one cartridges and just load up games. Oh, I mean, we know people that did that. Yeah. There's, like, you have a cousin, like, a six-year-old cousin or eight-year-old cousin who had, like... One of those cards. Yeah, I was like, hey, it's the Mario Kart. Like, and then oh, she, yeah. and she, and it was like, I'm gonna go get it. Like, oh, it's in this thing. Yeah, it's like a hundred games in there. It's crazy. But so Nintendo's way more concerned with piracy, with piracy than used games. So that's definitely, you know, a good sign for people who are legitimately buying their games and like buying a physical medium, which Nintendo's not planning to stop anytime soon either. I right? have that library. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, Reggie mentioned to Polygon they're not going to stop retail anytime soon. They're not going to go digital only because retail are where those big partnerships come from. And bringing it all full circle, retail makes it possible for things like the Nintendo experience at Best Buy where we were able to go hands-on with those games. And they can't do that if they don't have retail partners. So very good news for Nintendo. They're sticking with used games. They're sticking with retail for those who are like collecting things like me. And it allows for unique experiences like being able to do E3 without going to E3. And that, in a nutshell, kind of that sentence sums up how the last week around Nintendo has been. We went to E3 without actually going to E3. So really quick, um, as we wrap up the episode, just for, um, for those of you who may not have checked the site recently, we have a bunch of great content on the site relating to E3 that I definitely encourage you to check out. Uh, Jose and I went to the convention center, LA Convention Center, about a week ago, uh, like the, the Saturday before E3. 
and we took some photos of what the, what it looked like, what the plans were. Obviously, we know all the secrets now. We know everything now. But if you're curious what E3 looks like as it's being set up and how much of the convention there is just taken over by giant ads for Plants vs. Zombies and Batman, check out the gallery. There's some cool photos. Uh, also, Jose met Reggie. So there's that photo. Then we had a uh, bonus episode of the podcast, episode 45, uh, E3 2013 direct response. That came out on Wednesday the 12th. But if, I encourage you to listen to it for a good overview of, I'd say, everything from the Nintendo Direct and the Pokemon Roundtable. All that news. So if you don't have time to read everything, you can just listen to us ramble for two hours about it. Similarly, I've plugged it a bunch of times this episode. The extra of our trip to the Nintendo Experience at Best Buy. E3 2013 Best Buy style. we got photos of the event. We have thoughts on the event and hopes of Nintendo doing it again. So, um, you know, we also have some interesting content planned for the future. E3's done, but we're not. I'm not going to say exactly what it is, but we have a unique angle on how Nintendo presented itself at E3, coming up in an extra as an editorial sometime between now and our next episode, probably in the weekend in between. So stay tuned for that. It's, it's going to be it's a unique little thing I noticed Nintendo is doing that could potentially be a very interesting article. So we'll obviously be tweeting that out along with our next episode and everything. Um, speaking of that next episode, God, I'm going through so many plugs, but we did a lot this week. This was our busiest week on the site. I think in terms of, like, daily traffic averages and in terms of uh, just how much we poured into it, I think this was by far our busiest week ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was up, uh, the Best Buy article, I'm not even good at it, I might have to just tell the truth, I was up till 6, I started, granted, at, like, 10.30 at night, but I was up till 5.30, 6 a.m., getting that article up and running, making sure all the images were there, you know, writing it, getting the banner done, so, you know, we... we poured our heart and soul into the site this week for E3, so... And I'm very happy with the results. I really like what we produced, and I really like uh, the response from the community, primarily in terms of hits. But So thank you to all you that followed along during E3, and please stay tuned for more to come. For example, our next episode, which is coming on June 30th, is going to be a big one. Almost as big... Probably not as big as this one, but pretty, pretty close. Uh, there's going to be E3 scraps. There's going to be all sorts of interviews that come out after this episode goes live. That we're going to be covering then. There's going to be the Nintendo General Shareholder Meeting on June 27th. There'll probably be news out of that. And if there is, we're of course going to cover it. Then we have impressions. We're finally going to get back to what we've been playing. We have Animal Crossing New League to discuss. We have the Just at the Time. It'll be Just Released Game and, War- Game and Wario and New Super Luigi U DLC pack to discuss. So there's a lot of impressions, a lot of news, and sales numbers for, for May. So Jason Sales Cars will be back. So yeah, it's big episode on June 30th. Extra coming in between. Don't miss a thing. Subscribe to us on Twitter at RamNintendo, and we'll tweet out links to everything as they happen. Uh, wait, subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. <laughs> subscribe to us on iTunes. There we go. And you can find us individually. I'm JSR7 on Twitter. He's Wero on Twitter, as which is W-E-I-R underscore, underscore O, as well as on Meverse. That's his name there, too. I'm Jason R on there. We, yeah, I make it harder by changing it from JSR7 to Jason R. But either way, we'd love to, you know, we'd love to hang out on me maybe play some multiplayer games sometimes so give us a follow friend us whatever you want to do and we will see you on june 30th thanks so much again for sticking with us through us e3 coverage it's a really fun week and we have a lot more planned for summer and beyond of the same quantity and quality so stay tuned yeah.